Sergeant Sacker, listen to me. We've traced the call. It's coming from inside the house. Our squad car's going over there right now. Just get out of that house. What's up and welcome to the HorrorCast. This is episode 43 and now we are excited to get back to our regular format. Tonight we are going to be reviewing and discussing two horror movies that kind of have a theme. We'll tell you about that later. But uh, the way our, our podcast works is we discuss and review one older movie uh, with lots of spoilers and then one newer movie with no spoilers. So that's what we're going to be getting into tonight. I am your host tonight. Mark Nato. I am uh, really I, excited to welcome in from the uh, West Coast. Let's let's bring in Mr. Venom first this time. Hey, what's up, Mr. Venom? Hello, Mark. Hello, co-host. Very happy to be here. And I uh, can't wait to talk about tonight's selections. And just to let you all know, uh, Mark Nato, Susan, Vin, and Walshy, you would all be on my intergalactic dream team. Thank you. Thank you very much. Aww. Very nice. All right. Well, let I hear her. I hear her lurking. Let's bring in horror gal Susan. What's up? Uh, hey, you guys. I'm so sorry. My, my dog is being obnoxious, and um, he's not being able to be wrangled into another room at this juncture because I guess someone is approaching the house, and he's literally going Cujo. So um, I, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm hanging in there. Um, I had a wild weekend, and uh, I, I think I might be coming down with a little something, so excuse my voice, but um, I'm so happy to be here and to do another regular episode that we haven't done in a long time, so I'm happy to be back with you guys. All right, good to be back with you, and let's bring in the smartest one of the group. Let's bring in Revenant Vin. What's up, Vin? Hey, guys. Well, I don't have a, a flattering intro like jerry did uh and i don't have a barking dog uh yet although my wife will be coming home from the gym soon so that might be changing when the dog catches wind that she's coming in the door uh but hello everybody <laughs> yes and we wanted to again i know he's not here tonight but let's mention walshy uh yes walshy is still part of the horror cast uh he's just had a crazy work schedule doing a lot of overtime a lot of nights that he uh doesn't normally do so uh, he's still a part, and he'll be back. Uh, we just don't know when, but it will happen. All right. Now, I wanted to uh, let Susan introduce what we're doing tonight, just to give a little intro here before we get into what we've been watching. 
What what are we doing tonight, Susan? What movies are we covering? Because they were your picks. We are doing When a Stranger Calls from 1979, and we are doing The Babysitter from 2017. And the theme, obviously, is babysitting, babysitters and babysitting uh, and kind of their role in the horror genre. Yes, yes. So we will, after we get done talking about... Uh, uh, what we've been watching and some uh, general chit chat about horror. We will uh, we'll talk a little bit about the trope of babysitters in horror. Uh, and I know uh, Vin has some uh, uh, some things to wax poetic about there. Um, and it's just kind of one of my favorite things. It, it's kind of at this point it's been done before over and over and over again, right? That's that's the the thing that uh, is is horrific, right? The babysitter is there. Somebody stalks the babysitter, but it, to me, it just doesn't ever get old. I, I love the trope, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, uh, I wanted to read a couple emails, guys. We haven't read emails in, in a while, and and I, I am sorry uh, for not getting to all that in uh, a timely fashion. And we've got emails from back in November, December that I probably should. Um, you know, get ready and, and read. But uh, these are these are three emails that I've gotten over the last uh, couple months that I just wanted to uh, to read. Uh, one was from a uh, uh, what I do to it? oh here it is one is from a, a guy named Jake Parker that uh, he does uh, film, some filmmaking um, and he uh, has a short out on uh, YouTube and then and then. Uh, he basically teamed with the guys over at Modern Horrors, uh, which which is a great podcast. If you don't listen to Modern Horrors podcast, uh, you, you're doing yourself a disservice. Great guys. And uh, he kind of um, is putting that out as a short, and I hope maybe it gets uh, uh, some um, festival consideration because it's really well made. And, 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 guys, it's about sleep apnea. Uh, it's, it's like a horror short based on it's not not sleep apnea, sleep paralysis, sleep apnea. It's like a guy there with one of those, with one of those uh, CPAP machines on. Sleep apnea is a nightmare in and of itself. That's right. That's right. I, I had my microphone on mute and I'm like, this is not happening. He's not really, really, what? what? Sleep apnea. Are you yes. kidding me? <laughs> so a sleep paralysis. Uh so uh, go check it out. Uh, I want to try to put the uh, the link to that in our show notes. But uh, this is Jake. He says, uh, hi, guys. My name is Jake Parker, a.k.a. Jake the Dream Child. So I think you're going to you know notice where his horror sensibilities lie, right? The Dream Child. Sorry about the long email, but I just wanted to reach out and tell you guys thanks for all your hard work. Just started listening to the podcast this week. Uh, and this has been a while back, but... Started with the top 10 of 2017 and was very impressed by your lists. Glad to see some diversity and deep cuts I hadn't heard about. In fact, I ordered Brimstone on Amazon the day I listened to the episode. After that episode, I went all the way back to your top 10 films and 2015 picks. So I believe that's the first and second episode. Loved those episodes. Glad to see Emily, Exorcism of Emily Rose on there. You hear that, Vin? that's right pal everybody's entitled to be wrong (laughs) you don't hear enough good things about that movie no you don't but it's uh, but it's absolute scary to me as well I'm a filmmaker here in Nashville Tennessee do a lot of work in the music video realm Uh, 
try to infuse my love of horror into my professional work as much as possible. While listening to your top 2015 horror episode, I remember that Walshy mentioned that he often deals with sleep paralysis and what he sees during it. Guys, sleep paralysis is terrifying and something I deal with sometimes on a weekly basis. I have studied it quite a bit. It's such a creepy concept that your brain projects things you are afraid of because it's freaking out due to its loss of motor skills. At that point, the horror you encounter has no bounds to what form it can take. Terrifying. Also, people across the world with different brains can see the exact same thing. Because of how much I've felt with, I've dealt with it in the past and how interesting it is, I made a short horror film a little over a year ago about sleep paralysis. It's loosely based off one of my most scary experiences with phenomenon that actually left me wondering, is this actually a supernatural occurrence? Being horror fans, I figured you or your audience might really enjoy watching it, so here it is. And again, I'm going to put that in the show notes, that link. Thanks, guys, for all your hard work. I'm really enjoying the show and would love to keep in touch more in the future. I followed your Twitter and Facebook page to keep up with the good stuff. Have an excellent and horrifying day, Jake Parker. So there you go. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Jake. And uh, I know he does um, follow us and interact on Twitter. Um, He's a good guy. He's a great uh, horror guy. And he's a talented filmmaker. Uh, Go check that out. And and I hope that uh, you get some more eyes on that, uh, that short. So. Um, let me see. Where's my second one? Oh, here's a good one. I'm not sure if this interests you, but I'm a lead actor in an upcoming comedy horror film. No, that doesn't mm. interest me. <laughs> 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 I get emails like that all the time. <clears throat> oh, here we go. Okay, here's another one uh, from Sylvain Delaney. Uh, just wanted to say I stumbled on your podcast through Stitcher. And I absolutely love it. I also appreciate that you guys are not swearing so I can listen to it in uh, the car with my son. Also, the cast discussed the movies and topics that are so thoughtful and thorough. Love it. How can I best support the podcast? Thanks so much, uh, Sill. It looks like it goes by Sill. So thank you very much. We appreciate it. And, that, you know, it's not the first time we've heard that you can listen to our our podcast in, in the car with your kids uh, for, for the most part every once in a while. We'll, we'll, We'll we'll screw up and say something stupid, but oh. uh, yeah, that's what we want to do. We wanna we want to do something because you know uh, I, I know Vin and I are parents of kids. Walshy's got a, a a a small child, so it's just something we think about. You know, because we're always uh, in the car sometimes with kids, and you want to listen to something, and that's just you know we we kind of put out what we want to listen to. So and what works for us. So we're glad that it works for other people. So. Uh, thank you for that. And how can you best support the podcast? Well, it's funny you should ask, Sil, because uh, we were just talking about uh, you can, I know you're a, a Stitcher uh, person, but if you're not a Stitcher person, you can go to iTunes and you can leave us a five-star review um, or four and a half if you really you know, don't like Vin's take on exorcism of Emily Rose. <laughs> it's okay. Um, four and a half, five-star reviews. And, and, and try to make sure that they are written reviews. Even if it's just a sentence, uh, that would it helps us out a lot. It, it, it actually, um, I'm not sure how the whole uh, thing works on iTunes. It, it, sometimes it's a little wacky, to tell you the truth. But it's supposed to help get eyes on your podcast. Um, so if you, somebody types in horror or horror movies, the, the, um, the podcast with more 
good and positive reviews are hopefully coming up. So that's what we would love for you to do. You can also um, uh, donate to us uh, if you want to. We have a Patreon, and I'll put that link in our um, show notes. So if you want to go and say, hey, we'd love to give the horror cast a buck a month. I mean, really. I know you think that that's crazy. Why would I even bother to give a buck a month? But it adds up. You know, if, if 20 people decided they wanted to give a buck a month, that's 20 bucks a month. I can do math. Okay. So, it, it, and it's easy and it, and it uh, helps pay for our hosting and helps us to not have to worry about that and go, you know, hungry. You know, we have children. We, they need to eat. So last week, my children didn't eat because I had to pay the podcast hosting fee. <laughs> they, they had a steady diet of government cheese and powdered milk. So no, I'm just kidding. They didn't. But again, every little bit helps. So that's how you can best support the podcast. And another way, just tell other people. Tell other people that love horror and like podcasts uh, about us uh, so we get more people listening. That's how you can do it. So thank you very much. And I had another email that I wanted to read, but I, I can't find it now. Uh, oh, here's one. Um, hey, guys, love the show. This is from Rick Murray. Uh, do you have written lists? of the underrated movies and best movies, etc. I wanted to get watching your recommendations. Thanks, Rick. And this has been 11 days ago, and uh, I actually replied, I'll send you a list. Give me a few days. Still haven't done that. Uh, so, Rick, <laughs> give me another few days. And the reason I want to just send that list to you privately is because if I put that list out on uh, Facebook or you know, some, there's no reason for anybody to listen to the podcast. Um, you know, they can just look at the list. But uh, I will send you a list since you have already listened. Uh, so I will do that. I promise you I will do that. So, uh, okay. Well, that is it for the emails. Thanks, guys, for listening. We really appreciate just taking the time to drop us a line. Uh, again, email has even become like the, the thing that, you know, old people do. Right. I mean, my kids don't email, you know, my kids are on Instagram and, and uh, you know, kick and all that weird stuff. I don't even even know Facebook it. is considered an old person yeah. thing now. Yeah, it is. We're old people. We're on we're we're on the Facebook. You know, yeah. you're not supposed to say the before Get Facebook. Get off my it's, feed, youngster. Yeah. <laughs> so but but we're going to keep on there. We're also doing, you know, Twitter. And um, again, I started a, a um, an Instagram, and I'm really trying to, you know, build it up a little bit. But it, it's kind of, it's weird. It, it's just something new I got to learn. So, all right. So we're gonna do that and uh, be be as active as we can on all social media fronts, even though we're old and funny duddies. So except for Jerry. Jerry's not. Yeah, old. speak for yourself. Yeah, Jerry's cool. <laughs> Jerry's cool. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get into what what we have been watching. We haven't done this in a while, so we're going to kind of use our discretion. We're not going to tell you everything we've been watching because you might be here for for 3 days, especially with Mr. Venom. So we're going to we're going to start it off with Mr. Venom. And what have you been watching that's uh, horror related? Um should and should we check things out and should we check them out? Okay. Well, as far as uh, what I've been watching horror-related, uh, the answer to that would be everything. 
everything. Uh, you don't watch anything that's not horror related. <laughs> Every now and then, but yeah, mm-hmm. I've been I've definitely been grinding through the horror movies lately. Uh, there's been a lot of great releases out here in L.A. Just this past weekend, I was able to see three horror movies in theaters out here. One of them is a national release, of course, Unsane, but then we had a couple of others that were um, VOD releases that I was lucky enough to be able to see out here in theaters. But here's a list of just some of the better things that I've seen. If I go over my entire list, we'll be here for two hours. So, uh, as as I just mentioned, uh, Unsane just came out this past uh, Friday. A psychological thriller about a woman who was previously stalked uh, by a former acquaintance and has, um, at least in her mind, um, has reappeared in her life. Now, um, this movie was good. Uh, I just did a podcast with Mike Merriman from the Evil Episodes podcast about this film. Um, It's a very good film, especially considering it was shot completely on an iPhone 7. Uh, this is a Steven Soderbergh film, and um, as I mentioned, completely shot on an iPhone 7 with a weird kind of fisheye lens. Now, <clears throat> it's not going to be that um, drastic where the entire movie is going to look like a fish lens, mm-hmm. but during the close-ups, you can definitely tell that they're using some type of fisheye lens on that iPhone. But yeah, considering the movie is shot completely on an iPhone, I thought, you know, the visuals were great. There were a couple of uh, trip, trippy sequences where our main our main character has is slipped some drugs, some psychedelics, and she goes on a little bit of a trip. Those sequences are pretty cool. And, you know, and, and then, you know, the story unfolds from there where she... Uh, inadvertently voluntarily commits herself to a mental institution uh and then of course you know starts seeing visions of her stalker in the hospital so um a quality film um i felt like it had a lot of plot holes to it um there's a lot of suspension of disbelief that you have to kind of just deal with i mean to really enjoy this movie uh, my best suggestion would be to just don't think about it too much because if you start thinking about it the way that Mike and myself did, you're going to start cutting the film up and, you know, what could what could be an 8 out of 10 to some people suddenly turns into a 6 out of 10 because we're dissecting it too much. But, mm-hmm. of course, we're podcasters and that's our job. So mm-hmm. I'm going to continue to do that just for the sake of the listeners because, um, you know, I do want the listeners to know what they should and shouldn't see. Um, for this movie in particular, I say it is watchable. But I don't think it's anything that really needs to be seen in a theater. I would say this is a good Redbox or Netflix rental um, later on down the line after it's released or VOD. So so that was Unsane from 2018. Uh, before that, I watched a film called The Followers, which um, actually has a dual meaning, that title, The Followers. Uh, it basically starts, it's a found footage film <clears throat> shot on multiple webcams uh, following this couple this beautiful couple that um, are basically their entire lives are on social media. They do. Uh, the woman does uh, yoga videos and the guy does um, hiking videos and camping videos and things like that. So basically their entire lives are on the Internet. And what happens is these other two filmmakers decide to do a documentary on how easy it is to stalk someone based only on their social Uh, social networking interactions. Mm -hmm. Um, So that aspect of it is pretty cool. But then once you actually get out into the woods and the two filmmakers let themselves be known, the movie takes a little bit of a left turn. And that's where the second meaning of the word followers comes in. Now, 
I uh, can't really talk about that too much, though. If, you, if you're thinking really hard about it, it shouldn't be too hard to decipher. But uh, that is a pretty major spoiler there in the third act, what's revealed out at that campsite that they're all at. So, um, so a quality film. I liked the followers a little bit better than Unsane. The performances maybe weren't as good. I would say the performances in Unsane were a little bit more um, expertly done, whereas this one, it's definitely a guerrilla uh, film, mm. you know, jobs so you know uh, doesn't have as much money behind it right oh absolutely doesn't have as much money or um you know uh substance behind it in general it's just a it's just a fairly decent it's an above average uh found footage film something that like you know dave z or myself would really be into us being huge found footage fans so yeah that's followers before i I tell you this uh, that that's a a real scary thing to me like that that whole social media thing uh and, and I'm I'm surprised that more movies haven't been made to kind of deal with it. But you know that that someone could really get obsessed with you and and really by how much you choose to share, you yeah, know, really uh, and I, you know enter into your life. So absolutely, and I'm guilty of that myself. I anybody who follows me on Facebook, you see that I check in at almost every movie theater I go to. Mm-hmm. Anytime I go to a horror convention, I check in and take pictures. Oh. So it's the kind of thing. It is. The, <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> um, it's the kind of thing where, you know, I could probably be followed easily, fairly easily. Um, after watching this movie, though, I think I'm going to curb my Facebook check ins a little bit here and there. Maybe I won't post every <laughs> single place that I'm at, yeah. especially because oh generally, God. especially because generally I go by myself. Um, you know, I see a lot of horror movies and my wife is not as much into horror movies as I am. So she won't always accompany me. So it, it, it kind of starts to make me think of if I start posting that I'm at the theater and somebody knows my wife is home alone, th- that could be an ugly situation, especially mm-hmm. in Southern California. So, yeah, after this movie is definitely an eye opener. Once you watch it, if you're a heavy user of social media and a fan of found footage movies, I would recommend this film. Seek it out. It's available on vi- on VOD right now, direct TV cinema, places like that. Um, and that, like I said, that's called Followers, or The Followers. Uh, I don't remember specifically. Uh, before that, I saw a documentary. Um, and for those of you who watch Ghost Adventures, uh, you're familiar with the name of Zach Bagans. Uh, he is or, the... Uh, or you're familiar with his hair. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yes. Um, so basically, Zach decided to do a documentary on a house that he had bought out in Gary, Indiana. It's basically a house that had a very famous demonic haunting in there. Uh, the, Ed, the Emmons family lived there and uh, they had a series of uh, hauntings and poltergeist uh, type scenarios. And the reason why this one became so famous is because uh, whenever the family would call the police, the police would actually witness paranormal activity as well. Uh, usually, you know, especially in horror movies, whenever a family calls an authority figure, the authority figure arrives and nothing happens. But in this particular scenario, um, you know, you've got multiple police witnesses, state employee witnesses, uh, child protective services agents that witness different, um, you know, paranormal uh, phenomena that's uh, occurred there, even to the point where they claim they don't have any actual video footage of this, but they actually claim that the youngest son of the family, while possessed by a demon, actually walked backwards up a wall all the way to the ceiling. 
and they've got police and and Indiana state employees that are all cooperating the story saying that yes it absolutely happened most of the people that were in the room like ran out of the room instantly as soon as as soon as they saw what was happening the family was trying to pull the boy down from the ceiling and they were saying it was literally like he was stuck up there like they couldn't get him down and then finally he just kind of descended on his own so the whole point is, is that when Zach Bagans heard all these stories, he decided to buy the house sight unseen and then do a paranormal investigation inside the house. And that's basically where the movie goes from there. The movie is basically consists of um, a lot of interview footage, some reenactments, and then the last 15 to 20 minutes or so of the film are the actual investigation where Zach locks himself. He actually boards himself up inside the house by himself so he can't possibly get out regardless of what he sees. Uh, unfortunately, they don't really get a whole lot of evidence during the lockdown, mm-hmm. but it's a fairly enjoyable film nonetheless. I mean, it's not great. I don't think it's anything that horror movie fans necessarily need to see, but if you are a fan of um, you know, paranormal activity, not the film, but the actual activity, <laughs> um, and different like, ghost hunters and ghost adventure type shows, then I would recommend the movie. Um, it's not, if you're not a believer, it's not going to make you one. It's not like there's any evidence that's so compelling that you're suddenly going to believe in the afterlife or spirits or anything like that. But if you're already a believer, I think you're going to enjoy the movie. If you're already a believer and you're already a fan of ghost adventures, then yeah, I would recommend this film. It's fairly well made. It's, you know, it's only about an hour and uh, hour and 45, I believe, but it doesn't feel that long. It actually goes by fairly quickly. It's got a nice pace to it. So, so is it like a... An extended episode of Ghost Adventures, I mean... To an extent, yeah. It's an above... I've been describing it as an above-average, uncensored uh, episode of the show. Okay. But, can, can I ask you real quick about this? Because I have seen so much buzz from individuals. I mean, you know, not sponsored people saying mm-hmm. that they're concerned about this movie. They've seen it. They felt weird vibes. They felt like they were getting possessed that people should be careful when they watch it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What? I think, I think what, 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 what's your take on, on all of that? Why people are saying that kind of buzz about it. I think they took the warning at the beginning of film a little bit too, too much to heart. Um, right before the film starts, there is a small uh, text scrawl at the beginning that basically says that um, if you're a believer in demons, then you know that potentially demons can travel over electronics, they can travel over media, things like that, and that potentially you are putting yourself at risk to the demonic possession by just watching this film. Uh, Of of course, my wife and I kind of looked at each other and rolled our eyes and laughed when we saw that, but we could all... But uh, we could also hear some like gasps in the crowd, like people were actually buying into it. And um, I myself, I'm not a believer necessarily, but I'm I'm kind of somewhere in the middle ground. It's like I want to believe I'm open to it. I'm receptive to it. But I've just never seen any anything that I would call paranormal ever happen in my own lifetime. Um, I still do enjoy these shows for whatever it's worth, because, you know, if there's not a horror movie on to watch, I'll go ahead and watch like a Ghost Hunters or Ghost Adventures. And, you know, just seeing those guys get scared at any little bump and knock, you know, in the darkness kind of brings a chuckle to my uh, face. So, yeah, there's that. But like I said, if you're a fan of the show, go ahead and check out the movie. That's called Demon House by Mr. Zach Bagans. Let's see. Before that, I watched a a movie called Apartment 212, which is... um, your basic kind of demon box, uh, Dybbuk box type situation where a girl 
um, basically someone dies in this girl's apartment building. And while they're cleaning up the woman's stuff, since she didn't have any family, they're just throwing all her stuff away. Um, she sees this little jewelry box that looks really cool. And it's got like a weird little gremlin guy on, on top of it. So she ends up taking it. Well, as it turns out, that weird little gremlin guy is exactly that. Basically, the little statue on top of the box basically comes to life every night and actually takes bites out of the woman. So at first she thinks she has bed bugs and then she thinks she has like, uh, you know, vermin, you know, rodents running around the apartment. Uh, and as it turns out, it's this little gremlin character. And then the movie goes on from there. And for any tenacious D fans who might be listening, Kyle Gass is actually the male star of that film. And he actually does a pretty decent job. I will admit he basically just plays himself, but he's also really good at playing himself scared of, you know, bumps and knocks in the night. So, um, a fairly enjoyable film, I would say just above average, uh, not necessarily something that you need to seek out, but if you find it like on Netflix or something in, in the next couple of months, I'd say, check it out. That's called apartment Two Twelve. Um, let's see. Uh, and then, uh, before that, I actually went on a string of seeing really, really good movies. So I'll try not to get long winded again. I'm sorry. I tend to do that, but, um, just really quick ravenous. French-Canadian zombie film, zombie-slash-infected film. It's available on Netflix right now. You have to see it. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to get into that one too much. It's just a great film. Lots of symbolism, lots of amazing shots. I mean, there's stuff in the movie that I still can't quite wrap my head around as far as what they meant, what they were symbolizing, things like that. So I definitely recommend you check that out. Um, the French title of that is La Femme, mm -hmm. L-E-S-A-F-F. -F. E-M-E-S, so La Femme, La Femme. Uh, but the English title on um, Netflix would be Ravenous, so look that one up. Uh, before that, I saw a South African um, zombie-slash-infected film called Last One's Out. Uh, this one's available on Shudder, if you have the Shudder service. Um, this is another, another movie that I highly recommend. It seems like the zombie-slash-infected films from outside of the U.S. are really making a splash this year, because there have already been three really good ones. And um, I definitely hope that you guys are seeking these out. Um, like I said, last one's out. It's based in South Africa. This one's in English, so you won't have to read subtitles. Unfortunately, Ravenous is in French, so you will have to read subtitles. I know uh, there's a lot of horror fans that have an aversion to reading subtitles, so fair warning right there. Um, there are no English dub versions available for that yet. I'm sure when it gets a DVD release, maybe there will be. But for now, you're reading subtitles for Ravenous and Last One Out. Last One's Out uh, is in English. Very good film. Very 28 Days Later, though. Um, there were a couple of holes in the plot that kind of hurt its rating a little bit, but I still gave it a very high rating. Uh, I think I enjoyed Ravenous a little bit more, but they're both really good films. Uh, and those are two films that Mike Merriman and myself also discussed on Just the Movies, so look out for that on the Horophilia Network. And and then the last one, I'll, well, the last couple uh, that I'll go over is The Strangers, Pray at Night. Uh, saw that opening night. Um, a fun movie, definitely more fun than the first one. Uh, the first movie obviously being very dark, very gritty, very almost uncomfortable at times to watch. This one still had its little uncomfortable moments, but for the most part, it was just a, more of a fun slasher. So if, if you didn't like the first Strangers because it was too serious, I would, I would strongly recommend checking out the second one. Amazing soundtrack, lots of really great late 80s and early 90s pop songs on there. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure the movie takes place in modern time because they all have cell phones. So why yeah. why the movie has that soundtrack's beyond me. But I thank the filmmakers nonetheless because I did enjoy that. And let's see, before The Strangers, there was uh, another film uh, that's available on Netflix called Veronica. Uh, this is, a, a, once again, a demonic possession film where a, a group of girls plays with a Ouija board or Ouija for you grammar Nazis. Mm. Um, um, this is my movie of the year as of right now. Veronica blew me away in every way, shape or form. Now, don't buy into the marketing because it's being marketed as the scariest film of the year or the scariest film of the last five, ten years, whatever they want to say. It's not. Honestly, it's not that scary to a seasoned horror fan. To somebody like us, we've been watching movies 20, 30, 40 years. So it's not really going to scare us necessarily, but it's such a gorgeous film. Um, once again, this is a foreign film. It's set in Madrid, Spain. So you will be uh, reading subtitles once again while listening to beautiful Castilian Spanish. Mm -hmm. And um, again, just a gorgeous film. I, I can't say enough good things about it. They don't really do anything new. I mean, it's not the most original demonic possession story out there, but I just what they did, they did expertly, and it's a movie that has to be seen. Well, I like it because it, most demonic possession movies, you, you don't ever see a, an actual form of the demon, and, and they do that a little bit in this. You know, yes, there, they there's, do. There's something there stalking her. Uh, so it it was very good, you know. I, yeah. I, uh, I I think that uh, people will be turned off because you have to read subtitles. Plow through it, uh, you know. It's worth it. It's worth it. Uh, it's, it's a little great, slow yeah. to start, you know. Yeah. I, I've heard I've heard the people say that you know uh, it's a little slow that, it, that the first act is a little dull. But um, mm -hmm. I personally am a, am a fan of slow burns. You know, I love stuff like Ty West movies where mm -hmm. they're very slow getting to the action, but then once they get there, it's very dark, very brooding. And this movie is the exact same way. There's some great set pieces in Veronica, some exceptional set pieces. Um, one dream sequence that is amazing. And then, oh, actually two dream sequences, my bad. Two separate dream sequences that are both absolutely exceptional. So that is Veronica. That's available on Netflix. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, a movie that's available on VOD that is probably my favorite zombie film of the year so far is called The Cured. Mm -hmm. um, the Cured is a movie that got a lot of buzz. I was able to see it out here in L.A. about a month and a half ago. This movie is spectacular. Um, what they do differently with this is that rather than um, rather than showing us the beginning of the zombie outbreak or even like the middle of it, they actually the movie starts with the zombie outbreak over. Basically, mm -hmm. society has found a cure, a cure that works on 75 percent of the people that have turned into zombies. Um, of course, the cure doesn't work on everybody. So there are still some, you know, random zombies here floating around. But the great thing that the commentary about this film that I, I that I think is so strong is just how the people that have been cured of the disease, how their life has now changed, because not only have they been cured of their zombie virus, they remember everything they did while they were a zombie. Think about how that would just wreck your brain. Coming back, being cured, and then remembering every person that you killed, every piece of uh, the violent act that you uh, acts that you uh, perpetrated, uh, th that really like it hung heavy with me. It definitely stuck with me after the movie. 
And of course, you know, sometime, you know, about halfway through the film, something happens and the, the zombie outbreak is back. So and then the movie goes on from there. But um, not really a whole lot to spoil necessarily on this film. But it's just one that I feel needs to be seen. And like I said, it is my favorite zombie film of the year thus far. Uh, very high rating, easily in my top three for the year. And then the very last film I want to talk about, and I only want to talk about it because this was one of my most anticipated films of this year, and I hated it in every way, shape, or form. <laughs> and and that is what is being marketed as the Expendables of Horror, Death House. Yes, sir. Death House. Death House. This was a movie that I was so excited about, like right from the time that they were uh, that they first announced it, and then they first started announcing the cast little by little who's going to be in this movie and it literally is a who's who of the horror genre of 80s and 90s horror it's just amazing so that aspect of it is cool seeing all these different people in the same movie but yeah it just wasn't a very good story um the movie goes completely off the rails in the third act to the point where you're kind of left scratching your head like was this even a horror movie like i'm not sure like for the first two acts there's very violent deaths, a lot of blood, a lot of gore. But then when you get to the third act and you kind of see the secret of the death house, which I won't spoil here, it just, I don't know, I, it, it left me very sour. It's like the first two acts of the movie probably would have gotten like a 6.5 or a 7 out of 10. But then that third act, it drops to like a two or a three out of 10, which obviously hurts the overall score of the film. So that's one that I just wanted to throw out there. Uh, to let the horror fans know that as, as excited as we were to get this, it's not that great. I still think people should see it. I'm just saying don't spend any money on it. I actually I actually went and bought a ticket for it because it was a special screener, so I couldn't use my movie pass. So it's literally the first movie that I've actually physically paid for in a year and a half, and I want my $16 back. <laughs> oh, gosh. $16 for one movie? Yeah, it was a Friday night in L.A., buddy. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean that that's one thing that I know we interviewed um, the director uh, last year sometime. First of all, it took way too long to come out, so you've got this massive buildup for the last three years, and then I think that um, wasn't it uh, Gunnar Hansen who really yeah kinda, it's his it's, it's his, his love child. but but then he he passed. Yeah, so like it, on seem, it seems like somebody took up the mantle and and tried to finish it. Yeah, he made them promise. Um, th th at the end of the movie, they actually kind of there's a little scrawl, you know, a little dedication to Gunnar Hansen. And yeah, this w it, it was actually Gunnar Hansen's dying wish that this film get finished. Um, yeah. He he died during the production, and he he was very close with the director, the screenwriter, and everybody involved on the production team. And he basically forced them to promise that the film would get finished and released in a timely manner. Yeah. So, you know, that's what yeah. we get. So that might be a, the issue, you know, where, where maybe he didn't finish the script all the way. And, and it's quite possible. You know, it's not necessarily maybe the, the, the first 75% or the first half, what you kind of liked is what yeah. he worked on. And then you got the leftovers, but yeah, that know. last act, it just, it goes as far away from horror as you can go. <laughs> it's weird. All right. All righty. We're very good. Very good. Uh, let's uh let's come in with Revenant Vin. 
All right. Uh, we'll start off with I had also seen Veronica, um, and I did definitely enjoy it. Uh, I don't know if I, I wasn't quite as high as as uh, Mr. Venom, um, but I for me it, it almost felt like um, a Conjuring film done right. You know, I've I've expressed my you know my disappointment <laughs> with that franchise. Um, I think that Veronica had a lot in common mm. with the you know the James Wan type of universe that's been set up. You know you. Uh, Mr. Benning, you talk about the set pieces and everything like that, and even just the the subject matter. Um, it felt like this could actually take place within the Conjuring universe, minus the Warrens. Uh, but <laughs> I actually I, I enjoyed their, their this take this take and this approach a lot better. So this is kind of like I almost consider this like the Conjuring film I finally really like. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely give an endorsement for that one. Um, just some of the other more recent ones that I had seen. Uh, I did see Dead Shack. Um, which is on Shutter now. Uh, yeah, that's uh, well, you got a, a teenager, right? And he goes to spend, I guess, almost like a weekend with his friend and his friend's family, which consists of the sister, the father, and the father's girlfriend. And they end up basically realizing that their neighbors, where the, the cabin that they're at, that the woman has zombies. Um, it was it was okay. Uh, really, kind of a it's, it's a comedy horror. Um. I thought the father was hilarious, but the the friend um, he he never stopped being annoying to me. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't think that all the all the jokes really hit, uh, yeah. but pretty much whenever the father was firing in all cylinders, it, it was really enjoyable. Um, but otherwise, a pretty middling film for me. Um, I did see you know every I think everybody saw it, but the Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, it got a lot of hate when that came yeah. out, um, but honestly, I thought it was okay. Um, yeah, I thought it was enjoyable. I'm not somebody who's heavenly invested in the Cloverfield universe, so I wasn't looking to have all these answers, uh, given to me, but I am a fan of sci-fi. I do like a lot of what they were trying to do in that film. And overall, I thought it was a fun ride. Um, I like the, the playing with, um, you know, parallel universes and everything that they're doing. I, I was totally fine with it. I, I really enjoyed that film. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, I finally saw Mike Flanagan's Before I Wake. Uh, which I know, you know, a lot of people had already watched that one illegally, but I did want to wait for it to uh, yeah. come out officially in the U.S. before I watched it. Um, How dare they? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was a very good film. Um, well acted. Uh, a lot of people know the story already, but, you know, it's uh, this couple whose um, son dies, and they end up fostering a kid who whose dreams manifest themselves at night. Um, dreams and nightmares. And, you know, this is another situation where I watched it with uh, with my wife and, you know, it's a sad film and she was pretty much devastated for the night. Like she (laughs) she went to bed very unhappy. Uh, She was like emotionally drained after that film. Uh, But it was really good. Um, The Ritual. uh, That's the other one that, you know, this uh, in the beginning, we see a group of friends out um, uh, out. Yeah, having a good time. One of them is murdered in a robbery. And then this group goes on kind of a memorial hike uh, in that friend's memory up in Scandinavian mountains. And yeah, this whole idea of a ritual, we see a lot of rituals taking place in this film. And I really enjoyed this film. So far, this is probably my favorite film of the year. Uh, it's... I, I really like the acting. I think that these guys sold the friendship. Um, they felt like they were a group of guys that knew each other. 
Um, and I'm also I, I I'm a big fan of Norse mythology, and I really like the way it was incorporated. I like the aesthetics. I like uh, certain designs that were in the film. I don't want to get spoilery, uh, but I really ended up liking this one a lot. Um, very highly impressed. Um, just two more I'm going to talk about. I did. I just saw it last night. I watched Mayhem, uh, Joe Lynch's film, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it, it's a, a virus that ends up going through an office building where people's inhibitions are pretty much put on mute. Um, so their their id is has taken over. So if they want to have sex, they have sex. If they want to murder, they murder. Um, I don't think that the film necessarily brings that concept to any extreme places. I mean, there we follow two central characters who are infected, who seem to have a lot of control over themselves most of the time. Um, but nevertheless, I thought it was a really fun ride. It was hilarious. Uh, it had me cracking up. Um, we, my wife and I, we, we really enjoyed that one. And the last one I'm going to talk about is uh, a 1977 film. Um, I had just in the past few months uh, shown my wife um, Rosemary's Baby. Uh, the first time she had ever seen it. And she had been wanting to see it for a really long time. And it was really interesting to watch that with her because she really had no idea what the actual story was to that. Um, she actually had a lot of misconceptions about what the film was about. Uh, but she walked away loving that film. She really, really liked it. Um, she's kind of been talking about it ever since. And Mia Farrow actually lives in our area. So we we run into her quite a bit. Um my, uh, I'm pretty sure that our daughter has played with her granddaughter on a number of occasions. Um, so my wife is actually kind of excited to run into her again after finally seeing that film. Uh, so when uh, The Haunting of Julia came on Shudder, um, 1977's, uh, also starring Mia Farrow, we've, we kind of jumped at it. We really wanted to see it. Um, based on the Peter Straub novel, um, Julia. And this is, it's a slow film. Um, I don't even want to say slow burn. It's a slow film. Uh, it's very good. This is a woman who, whose daughter dies in the beginning of the film, and she's in mourning through the rest of it. She's trying to kind of rebuild her life. She rents a house. She's kind of separated from her husband. Uh, and she begins to realize that the house that she has rented is haunted. And it ends up becoming a kind of a cold case murder mystery. And it's a, like I said, it is a slow film, uh, especially for the first hour, but the last half hour does pick up and there's some really interesting things that happen. And it leaves you with this kind of grimly ambiguous ending that has this, this visual that you, you won't soon forget. Um, I can't highly recommend this film because it's going to be an acquired taste. It's you know, not for you, everybody. You, no, you you have to you have to really be ready for a slow film. Um, and I like slow films, and even you know, it was getting slow for me. Uh, but I would still overall recommend it to people who do like that kind of. Um, it's it's kind of like the Changeling. All right, if you like the Changeling, but think of the Changeling as the fast paced version. <laughs> all right and that's saying something all right so if, if you can imagine the changeling being this fast-paced version of this very similar story um you'll know what the haunting of julia is but if that sounds like you know you're a if that sounds interesting to you then i would recommend it in that way um and those are just those are the films that i wanted to mention very nice some good ones 
All right, horror gal, what you got? Oh, well, you guys, I've been working a lot, so I have not seen that much, but uh, I will say that uh, television-wise, Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 3 is on. I do recommend it if you like a lot of gore and a lot of sarcasm and uh, just kind of crazy humor. If you like, you know, of course, any of the Evil Dead franchise, definitely check that out. It's definitely worth watching. Um, I did watch... Attack of the Killer Donuts, and yes, that movie, <laughs> that movie does actually exist, and um, I don't know how it happened. I, yeah. I you know, uh, don't blame me, but I watched it, and apparently, I and I, I forget the guy's name, but whoever the lead actor is in it, he was like the writer, director, producer, and actor in it, or whatnot, but, um, King but I... King Donut? I, <laughs> yeah, but I respect um, that he might have had some nightmares after eating donuts and thought of this film. I don't know, but it was uh, it was it was definitely very interesting. If you if you like the very 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 super cheesy, um, then you know check it out. Um, and then I also uh, Vin saw it, and I also saw it too. Mayhem with Stephen Yun from The Walking Dead, who played Glenn. So he hasn't really been anything, been in anything that at least I had seen since uh, his departure on Walking Dead. So spoiler it was nice alert! To see him in that, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and and Samara weaving. So um, so I enjoyed that too. I thought that was good. I thought that was a good blend of of you know humor and and you know a horror movie. It's it's not something that's going to make you scared, but it was it was fun. It was a fun movie. Uh, so yeah. I would recommend it in that respect. So. And that's that's about it for me. I mean, I might have seen a couple other things, but I just you know, it's been a while. Oh man, Attack <laughs> of the Killer. The horse. Yeah, Attack of the Killer Donuts has the distinction of being the only horror movie in 2017 I did not finish. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, couldn't. You, I just I I wanted to. I just couldn't. I couldn't bring myself to it. Yeah, I and you know I I'll, I'll be honest with you. I came into it a few minutes late. It was just you know I was scrolling and I saw the title and oh, I thought man, you, you know missed, me you missed you know the me, best I, part you know me I gotta <laughs> stop and watch that right. So I I can't speak to the the entire you know I did not see the beginning. Um, the donuts were already attacking by the time. I, oh yeah. By the time I came on board with this, but you know. Um, it it, it, it possibly yeah it it possibly could be a so bad it's good um but it possibly could be a so bad it's bad it it really is going to depend on the individual it is subjective most definitely and their level of inebriation i think they're probably going for like attack of the killer tomatoes or killer clown from outer space or something like that but yeah it just wasn't very well made either so but I recommend, you know, go get a dozen donuts and, and then watch this and then, you know, maybe you'll enjoy it more. I don't and then, know. And, and, then, and then leave some of them half eaten in the box open on the couch next to you while you're watching. And just side eye them the whole that's time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> are they, what are they planning? All right. Well, I'm going to go next. And I've seen almost everything that Jerry saw and I kind of echo Everything that Jerry said, uh, there's there's a couple I didn't see because I don't live in L.A. and have <laughs> special events and all that. And I also don't pay $16 for a movie. I'm telling you. I right never now. will again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I saw everything that Vin uh, has said, and I agree, too. So there's just a few more. We are going back a little bit uh, because we haven't done this sort of thing for a few uh, – for quite a while. So – 
did want to mention that uh, saw uh, the remake of the French movie Inside. Have you guys yeah. seen that yet? Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just say this: it's not a bad movie. No, but it's if you, but it, it's it's not necessary. Thank you. That's a better. Yeah. <laughs> Inside is one of the best, definitely one of the best uh, French extreme films. But it's just a really good film all around. So it doesn't really need to be remade. But I I do think if you go into this not knowing anything about the original, you'll enjoy it. You know, uh, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a decent movie. It just is. It's similar to, um, was it last year or the year before when they remade Martyrs? Just completely yeah. unnecessary. Yeah. So just just watch the original French version. So um, I saw, of course, Mom and Dad uh-huh. starring Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair about the uh, something happens and a switch goes off and the kids uh, start uh, having to be in fear of their parents because... All parents want to kill their children, <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's it's an equal amount of fun and just uh, also some some good gore. I liked it a lot. I really did. I, I'd recommend that to, to anybody. Um, here's uh-huh. one that that I watched and I've and I've had a, a conversation with a lot of people about is uh, the Open House on Netflix. <laughs> okay, this movie I liked it. But but let me tell you this. It is not for everyone. It is a movie that not a whole lot happens in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of like red herrings and what the heck's going on. And you don't get any answers. <laughs> I mean, you do get an answer at the end, but it's not fulfilling. You know, no. uh, it's more of another question than an answer. Yes. But you know what? I would like to see part two. Oh. And follow follow that, you know. Um, I I, I kind of liked it. <laughs> I loved uh, the first half. I agree. The first half was I, I thought the performances were good. I thought the writing was fine. Uh, I mentioned this on uh, just the movies with Mike Merriman that the second half felt like it was written by a whole other team. It it felt like it was written by someone who who yeah. like didn't feel passionately about the project who maybe was thrown on at the last minute and just, you know, uh, somebody just told them, Hey, just finish this script so we can finish this movie. And I'm not saying that's necessarily what happened. That's just what it felt like. Cause the yeah. first half of the movie is compelling. It's got good tension, uh, decent pacing. It's, it's really, it's not bad, but then as good as the first half is, that's how bad the second half is. In my opinion, I understand that Mark probably enjoyed it more than I did, but that ending was too ambiguous for me. I, I do like the occasional, you know, a small amount of ambiguity with my endings, but this one was too much. And especially with all the red herrings that they gave us, I, I felt the exact same way after watching this that I felt after watching the ice cream man, uh, the ice cream truck. Excuse <laughs> oh, me, the ice gosh. cream truck. I, I, I felt the... Yeah, yeah, I, I just, hated that I, movie. Yeah, I was unfulfilled. You know what I mean? Not yeah. a bad movie necessarily. It just it didn't speak to me, and it left me with a sour taste in my mouth. So, and that that would be my review for both of those films. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Yeah, uh, I'd also recommend that you uh, watch a movie called Keep Watching. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like Bella Thorne is in a lot of movies uh, yeah. lately, uh, especially horror movies, and she'll be in. A movie that we're discussing tonight, The Babysitter, but this is this is a movie about uh, you know it, it's it's a home invasion movie, 
but it's people that are playing games. You know, they, they come into people's homes uh, ahead of time and they install cameras everywhere and then they watch you and then they kind of try to get you into a game of survival. It's like kill or be killed. Mm. And um, it, it was actually a pretty decent movie. I mean, it was entertaining. Um, some people are going to hate no matter what, but I, I will, it's not going to be anywhere near my top ten of the of the year, but uh, I'm not sorry I watched it. thought it was an entertaining movie, so let's keep watching. Um, uh, definitely, I'm going to get some hate on this one, even though I, I did post it on Facebook, and some people agreed with me, but I watched Victor Crowley. Um, that movie sucks. Oh, oh bummer. No, it I've, does not. I, I pre-ordered it. I haven't I watched sucks. it yet. I've seen it three times. You have to be a fan. It's kind of like watching a bad Friday the 13th movie. You, no, have, to, no. you have to be a fan of... Abs- it's, it's, no. the, it's, it's a perfect analogy, literally. No, the movie no. does not suck, Mark. I'm sorry. Look, I cannot look, agree with you I'm in any a way. fan of the first Hatchet. I'm a fan of all of them. Okay. Th- this movie is, number one, the humor is non-existent. It's not funny yeah, at all. That. Uh, the acting is bad. When when one of your main stars is one of the guys from Impractical Jokers, mm-hmm. uh, you've got a problem. Yeah, um, the acting's bad at all of them. Oh, it's, all, it's just it's just flat. You know, uh, I thought oh, it was. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's all I can bad. say. I didn't enjoy it at all. I didn't, yeah. and I, and I don't feel like the um, the gore was at the level that the other ones have been at. No, I'll go with that. I mean, you know, I mean, we've seen I mean, the that, more. I mean, when, how much when, more can they do? Well, I know, but, like, it's classic when you see Victor Crowley, you know, grab the lady's jaw and rip her head. Sure. In it there's nothing like that in here. There's nothing like, oh, man, that was awesome. No, there's no, there's just nothing mm. like that in here. So I was, you know, I was disappointed in it. Um, but... Again, I, I send all the hate mail to me. It's okay. <laughs> I'm a big boy and I can take it. Um, let me see what else. Oh, this is not necessarily horror, but I do want to encourage people to see it. It's more of like a sci-fi thriller. But um, uh, Natalie Portman and Annihilation. Mm. Uh, I, that's a good movie. That's a good movie. And, and some I, people I, who I, like yeah. sci-fi type horror, sci, sci-fi thriller mysteries might like that. Uh, it, it's definitely a well-made movie. Yes, visually yes. it's stunning. I mean, it, yes. it's it's a feast for the eyes. My my issue was more with the writing and just the general story. Performances were great. Uh, the visual effects were awesome. All the creature designs were really cool. But uh, I just you know oh, we'd have to do a podcast about it. I, I had some issues with it, but but mm-hmm. overall uh, a quality film. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, let's see what else. What else? Oh, I saw. I saw a, uh, it's a remake of an 80s slasher called Unhinged. Did you see that yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It it was definitely a low budget oh, yeah. uh, film, but I thought it was pretty decent for what they had. Um, you know, if you're looking for a, uh, uh, you know, a low budget slasher akin to something that you would see in the 80s and you want to see uh, crazy dress wear and, uh, you know. <laughs> you know, goodness, uh, pick it up. I, I don't know. I'm not sure where you can find it now. I, don't, I think I got a, uh, where did I watch that? 
I forget where I watched it, but uh, probably Amazon for like three ninety nine. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. So, but again, these are these are movies I watch everything. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, I had to watch it. So <laughs> those those are the ones. There there are more that I've watched uh, that I want to get into, but it's it's not for right now. We will will probably uh, pick a couple of these movies to review in mm-hmm. the near future. So I want to keep it kind of close to the vest. But there's a lot of a lot of pretty decent stuff coming out. I, I I'm oh, yeah. really impressed with the foreign. Horror so far yes. this year. Um, the domestic not not as strong as last year, but we've got yeah. we've got a ways to go. Uh, I know I'm really looking forward uh, to uh, next week in a quiet place. Yeah, uh, and, and uh, also looking forward to the endless. Yeah, comes out um, soon. So hopefully it'll pick up. It'll pick up. So all right. Well, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we get back, we're gonna talk about. The horror trope of the babysitter. Hi. Hello, dear. I'm a Stuart. I'm a babysitter. What? What, you little maggots in Alana? Are you serious? I'll make your summer a living hell. TV rocks your brain. It's time we let her know the rules. Yeah, we all number her. Let's kick some butt. Mrs. Sturak. Mr. Eck? Oh, my God. She died in her sleep. No problem be blame us. Hey, be careful. I got her. No, I mean my skateboard. Don't tell Mom the babysitter's dead. Rock and roll! Now, Christina Applegate and her brother... What? ...bounce back. For a summer with... Of my baby. No rules. In your dreams, babe. No curfews. No nagging. No pulse. Oh, how you doing, Mom? No, Mrs. Durack's not here. She, um... She went to the yarn store. So, what do you guys want for breakfast? Cheese omelet. spaghetti Breakfast is served. Bow the lawn today, and don't forget to do the dishes, okay? Ah! Dishes are done, man. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Okay, we are back. Let's get into our discussion here about the the time-tested uh, trope in horror about the babysitter, right? I mean, it's everyone knows the babysitter's home, so some something bad is going to happen. There's something scary in the house. You've got um, you know all kinds of uh, movies that go from you know. Uh, Halloween to even this year's uh, The Babysitter or Better Watch Out. Uh, there's just tons of movies focused on babysitters. Um, where did that all start and where did it come from and why basically in America are we so daggone obsessed with scaring the babysitter? Don't we want, <laughs> don't we want teenagers to be able to come over and babysit our kids without being frightened because of a movie that they watched. But, um, Vin, what, where did this come from? Well, I mean, babysitting itself, it started to become popular in the 1920s. And then by the 1950s and 60s, it became a really important element of teenage income. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that had to do with the baby boom. Um, people after the war... Uh, having a lot of kids, uh, and there were a lot more kids that needed to be watched. There were a lot more teenagers around to watch them. And 
these you know, parents, uh, you know, if they were part of the middle class, they had extra income to uh, pay a babysitter and to go out. Uh, you know, it was also very driving culture. You know, you can drive around a lot more than you used to. Um, so all of that contributed to a lot more teenagers watching kids. Uh, now, you know, when you think about um, the situation of babysitting, uh, you can see how it kind of breeds a lot of anxiety. Um, you have a young teen, you know, generally young teen, uh, inside a strange house with this immense responsibility. Um, that's stressful for the teen. For the parents, you have the anxiety of leaving your kids alone with uh, a possibly inexperienced young person uh, who might not be prepared to, you know, deal with any kind of dangers. Um, yeah, and, you know, for children, you have the potential of being left alone with somebody who is neglectful or even abusive. Uh, so it's it's an anxiety-ridden element for everybody. Um, but, hey, you know, parents need to get out sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, people take that risk. Um, now, I had mentioned how babysitting started to become popular with the 1950s, and there was a murder that uh, people have kind of traced the urban legend back to um, that we're kind of going to be exploring. Um, it was in 1950 uh, in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, there was a 13-year-old named Jeanette Christman, and she was babysitting a three-year-old. And at one point, uh, kind of late into the night, she did place a frantic phone call to the police department, um, but she, she was cut off before she could really identify herself. And they didn't have a way to trace it at that point. Uh, so the parents ended up coming back and finding her body on the floor. And she had been raped and murdered. Um, there was a window broken in, but it looked like whoever actually killed her probably didn't come in that way. They probably broke the window afterwards to make it look like a break-in. Uh, but this, this murder... Um, a lot of people have kind of pointed to as being the the birth of the kind of babysitter, you know, killing myth. There, w it wasn't a situation where you know the killer was inside. Uh, as far as as far as I know, there wasn't all this kind of taunting over the phone. Uh, but still, it it was a kind of a touchstone with the dangers of a babysitter being alone inside a strange house and somebody coming to get them. Mm -hmm. So that kind of touched off uh, apparently this the urban legend that. We see in various, you know, uh, we're going to be talking about um, When a Stranger Calls, 1979, but we've already seen this before. We, we saw this similar uh, kind of, I guess, trope or gimmick, whatever you want to say, with 1974's Black Christmas. Um, yeah, there was a short film uh, called uh, Foster's Release in 1971 that also dealt with the same urban legend. Uh, with the babysitter getting the phone calls. Um, so we've seen this kind of thing before, uh, but that's, this seems to be where it comes from. This, this murder of uh, Janet Christman. Yeah. That, I mean, let, let's, let's talk. You said this trope, are you talking about the killer being, or at least a killer stalking babysitters. And I don't know exactly when the, can you say that the again? call coming in? Can you say that again? Cause it, like Did I cut out? Yeah, cut out. I got bad oh. sitters. <laughs> I said at least a killer stalking babysitter and killing them. I don't know exactly when the situation of the phone calls necessarily came in. 
Um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure exactly when uh, houses tended to start having two phone lines in their house. Um, but it, I'm sure it would have coincided with that. Yeah. And I'm guessing that probably came about maybe after the fifties. Uh, yeah. but that's well, just, that's just a guess on my part. And it started to really go, you know, even more of a trope when, uh, Halloween came out in 1978, uh, because that, that was everyone. Well, not everyone, but I guess most people who follow horror know that that movie was originally entitled what? The Babysitter, babysitter Murders. murders. Yeah. The babysitter no, Babysitter Murders. 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 That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, it, it, it's something that they saw the popularity of that movie, and they're like, hey, you know, people must like seeing babysitters get stalked <laughs> and killed, because this movie did great. And so you started getting more. And this, this movie that we're going to be talking about here in a second, When the Stranger Calls, actually was inspired a little bit um, because it was... A, it was originally a short, you know, and when Halloween came out and they saw the success and the money, they were like, oh, let's see if we can make this into a a, uh, a full-length feature, and, and we'll talk about whether they should have done that or not, <laughs> okay? But, uh, I mean, what, what were some of your favorite babysitter movies? I, I will even say that one of my favorite babysitter movies is somebody babysitting uh, an adult, because that kind of is the same thing, like an elderly yeah. person, whatever. But uh, House of the Devil. Yes. Mm-hmm. House of the yeah, Devil that's, that's is a great, a great, great uh, babysitter trope movie. Uh, may, maybe one of the best. I mean, it's one of it's one of my favorite movies. I know some people can't stand the slow burn tie west stuff, but <laughs> I love it. I love it. Love it. What about? Uh, have you guys ever seen a movie called Babysitter Wanted? Yes, two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, decent movie. Decent. Not movie. bad. Yeah. Uh, one of the really, really creepy scenes. It's not a great, great movie, but a very creepy babysitter scene, especially if you hate clowns, is in a movie called Amusement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? That is really creepy. Um, what else, guys? Any other babysitters? Um, I actually am a big fan of The Guardian. I don't know if you guys saw The Guardian um, it wasn't necessarily, you know, a babysitter being stalked by a killer so much as a babysitter um, watching a child who's been destined to be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Um, this film was from 1990, I believe. Is it a Roger Corman? It might be a Roger Corman film. But um, definitely uh, one of one of my more favorites. I'm sorry, William Friedkin. Whoa, yeah, I was, no, way I was off, getting ready to off. say Roger Corman. That's, <laughs> that's the other end of the pendulum, pal. Exactly. Yes, sir, it is. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, William Friedkin. So, of, uh, you know, of course you're going to get good direction, decent performances, um, some pretty good gore, actually. But then, you know, when they actually show the tree in its full living form, it does get a little on the uh, off the rails territory. But... I, I've always been a fan of that one, and if we can, if we can kind of stretch the term babysitter to include nannies, I want to point out 1960s The Innocents, which we discussed on the uh, our Hidden Gems episode as well. Um, yeah. That that one that's a live-in nanny more than a babysitter, and that and again that movie is more supernatural than a slasher. I know we're kind of discussing more babysitters being stalked in this episode, but uh, yeah, I definitely wanted to bring that one uh, up again. Just I love that movie so much. So yeah, but I mean I I would say babysitters, I guess, in turmoil. It doesn't even have to be like a slasher. 
Okay. It could be a babysitter in a house that's haunted. It could be a babysitter, you know, like you said, anything that kind of deals with babysitter and peril. Uh-huh. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to just yeah, yeah. I don't want to just say it has to be a slasher. Two okay. that kind of stand out in my mind. You got the Amityville Horror. Mm-hmm. Yep. When the babysitter is watching the kids. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, Child's Play. Oh, Child's Play. Child's yeah. Play. Yeah. You know, the, the, those are two scenes. Yeah, the whole movie doesn't wrap around those, but yeah. um, they definitely stick out in my mind. Uh, actually, and the Omen just popped into my head. Oh, the it's Omen all for has... you, Damien. Oh, yeah. There it is. It's all for you. <laughs> Another great babysitter scene. Yes, yes. So that's good stuff. Hey, listen. I would say last year's Better Watch Out. We should probably. Oh yeah, yeah. that I deserves did, I did mention. That's that. a yeah. really good one. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen that, check that one out. But listeners, uh, I, I, we'll put when this uh, comes out, we'll make it a little post on Facebook and uh, make sure you uh, let us know what your favorite babysitter movies or scenes are. So let's get into this, guys. Let's get in. We're not even going to take a break. We're going right into it. Uh, 1979's When a Stranger Calls. This is a movie that is rated R. One hour and 37 minutes is uh, crime, drama, horror. And I think that's pretty well said. Mm -hmm. Came out on October 26th, uh, just a few days before Halloween in 1979. Right now it holds a 6.5 out of 10 on uh, IMDb. Uh, Directed by Fred Walton. Written by Steve Fakey and Fred Walton. It stars Carol Kane. That's right, Latka's wife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Carol Kane is Jill Johnson. Um, I'm just going to give you the, the, the main guy. Carol Kane is Jill Johnson. Charles Durning as John Clifford. And you've got uh, Tony Beckley as Kurt Duncan. Okay, those are the three main people you need to know. Um, and oh, let's just you didn't this. even mention You didn't mention Superfly. <laughs> Dude, Superfly is in this movie. How can you not mention that? He is the coolest of the cool, the baddest of the bad. Where's the, who's that? Um, Ron O'Neill. He he was the uh, the black officer that uh, was in a few scenes actually with Charles oh, yes, Durning. Ron O'Neill. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, with Charles. Uh, Lieutenant Garber. Yep. Yes, sir. Superfly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. So basically, this movie. It, it is a psychopathic killer terrorizes a babysitter, then returns seven years later to menace her again. Uh, the, the opening 20 minutes of this movie is uh, a scene where the the original thing happens, and then you've got kind of like an investigation type of movie. And then the last 20 minutes is another uh, incident. So Yeah, it's like, it's like a reverse slow burn with... Uh, the ending at the beginning and the ending. Like, I don't know how to describe that. But this, this, like movie, you said, like, this movie is what I would describe. And, and by the way, I remember this movie. Uh, I remember being at my dropped off at my grandparents. Uh, this would have been in 1979. So I was what, six, seven years old. No, I was six years old. Oh, sorry, I'm not great at math. But my mom and, and uh, future stepdad were going out on a date, and I remember specifically they were going to see When a Stranger Calls. And when my mom got home, she was scared to death. Um, so I always had this thought, like, this is probably a really scary movie. So when I eventually got to see it, um, I, I was a, a little, a little 
shocked about what the movie was really about. I would say that this movie is a horror sandwich. Okay? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You've got 20 minutes at the beginning that, in my opinion, are 20 minutes of the scariest, about the scariest, like, realistic horror that you can get. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then another 15 minutes at the end where it's scariest crap again. Okay? Mm-hmm. But the middle, okay... We're talking about the, um, you know, the white stuff, you know, the white uh, lardy Oreo filling here. <laughs> it's still a good movie, but it is not horror at all. It is, no. it is a detective procedural. Yeah, it's a crime kind of drama. Crime yeah. drama. Okay. Which, I, which, but, but don't you guys think they, it, it seems like they wanted to try to make it kind of like a Loomis going after Michael Myers kind of thing, like making it his mission? But I didn't I didn't well, really feel well, like that was, is exactly what what it was trying to go. It, yeah. Yeah. But it, it really wasn't Charles Durning's uh, mission like it was Donald Pleasant's mission, if that makes sense, if you know what yeah. I mean. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. So it was not it, to me. It's it, I mean, it's a great movie, but that part of it. To me, I didn't really like feel his passion for the for the killer like Loomis with Michael Myers, you know. Yeah, yeah. And if you are a person that doesn't like crime dramas or procedurals, and you don't like uh, kind of a slower moving movies, you're probably gonna hate this movie. The middle of this movie. Yeah. So you watch know, the because, first twenty minutes and the last yeah. twenty and then, minutes. And, and, and then golden. Go, <laughs> you're golden. <laughs> but but. I would say to give it a shot because I I do like it kind of reminds me of the middle of this movie kind of reminds me of like a uh, a Sunday afternoon movie that you would find on you know Fox you know or or Channel Four when you were growing up and there'd just be like this crime drama movie on you know in the middle of the day on a Sunday afternoon it, you know it's 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 okay movie but. When, once you have the beginning and the end and you kind of tie it all together, I think it's still worth the, watching that entire middle. I think that they could have done a better job making it a little bit more exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, you know, I, I will give another spoiler alert. We're going to spoil this movie, okay? Um, there's a couple of scenes like when he meets that girl and, and, he, and you can see this guy who is clearly a freaking psychopath. Mm-hmm. Trying to like, you know, um, associate with this girl and try to get, you know, he, he wants to be normal, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, you could put it that way. <laughs> he wants to be, but he's he's incapable. Yeah. Of being, and can I tell you, one of the creepiest uh, characters. Oh. Of, of all that guy, like, he's grimy. He's greasy. He's. I don't even know how to explain him, but Tony Beckley, um, who I didn't know, I just read, was was um, terminally ill while he was shooting this movie. Uh, man, it really, it creeped me out. Yeah, well, I think I, they I, yeah. they put his death down originally as like a mysterious cancer, but they're thinking in retrospect it might have been AIDS, which in 1980 when he died wasn't really understood at that point. Yeah, yeah, but. Um, can can let's 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 just dissect the first twenty minutes of this movie. Yes. Okay. Because, man, the music, 
is really scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really plays with those those uh, those strings. Yeah, the stingers. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got this young girl, Carol Kane, by the way, is not a teenager in this movie. No. Okay, but <laughs> she's playing a teenager. She comes in. It's a rich family. It's Dr. and Mrs. Mandrakis. They're going out. The kids are upstairs. They're already asleep. So, you know, we'll be back later. Here's the restaurant's number, and uh, we'll see you. And then basically, you know, I don't know why she didn't turn on every light in the house after a while. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> kind of like a dark atmosphere or whatever. And she starts getting phone calls. And I want to play some of these phone calls here, clips, okay? Oh, God. Um, because <laughs> Freak me out. They really are creepy. They, they really, really are. are. Creepy. Um, some of the creepiest phone calls, uh, really uh, Black Christmas, like uh, Vin had said, yep. those are creepy phone calls, um, but a little bit more like uh, somebody who was like in a fantasy land, weirdo, you know, like talking to himself. These are more like this guy knows exactly what he's doing. You know, he's not incoherently babbling. He's, he's, you know, and, and, and here you go. Bobby? Have you checked the children? What? Have you checked the children? Oh my gosh, uh, that still sends a shiver up my spine. That that phrase, "Have you checked the children?" Because he's mm-hmm. just all he's doing is trying to get her to come upstairs to check on the kids so he can kill her. That's all he's trying to do. Uh, so he keeps calling, and, and he's getting frustrated. Oh my gosh, what what do you guys think? I mean, it's just. Well, I mean, first of all, in the babysitter's defense, <laughs> let's just put this out there, that when the parents leave, they tell her the kids are sick, they're getting over their sickness, they're finally asleep, don't bother them. Yeah. Which probably saves her life because mm-hmm. she doesn't feel that need to run up there constantly, but that makes the phone calls even more creepy. Yeah. hmm Yeah. Yeah, and in this scene, they keep on going back to the phone. Yeah, we we see the camera constantly go to the phone. Uh, the phone ends up yeah. kind of intruding on the quiet. And you the know, phone and kind of, ringing. Yeah, it's very loud. You know, it's it's basically you know, it, it's cutting the quiet every time, and it gets more and more intrusive into the night. Yeah, um, the kind sound, of becomes its own character. Absolutely, the sound design in this, at least in the first twenty minutes, is stellar. The the use of the dial tones, the the phone ringing, the musical stings, everything. I just felt it was masterful in that first act. I mean, that's probably my favorite part of the whole thing is the sound design. Believe it or not. Yeah, and the, yeah. even the even the grandfather clock and the pendulum, and then mm-hmm. not just the sound of it, but then that camera angle where it almost looks like you know a knife coming at you or something, and they they the way they cut back and forth. Mm-hmm. I don't know, completely scary. Yeah, no. Uh, again, I will stand by it. The first twenty minutes of this movie is a masterpiece. Yes. I mean, really is. Absolutely, it, is. it really is. Uh, and and it, the fact that the police basically, you know, 
as sad as it sounds and as almost laughable as it could be, it holds true today. You know, she's telling them, I'm getting these calls. Well, is it a direct threat? You know, did they make a direct threat? Well, no. Okay, well, then try whistling at them. You know, it's like, really? Really? Okay. You know, but the truth is is that that still kind of holds true today. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean the phone's different, but I'm sure if that happened, they, you know, they would respond the same way. Yeah. They so pretty it makes much, it even more scary. Yeah. They would respond pretty much the same way as a woman uh, saying that she was harassed on Facebook, let's say. You know, yeah. internet, internet harassment. Th- yeah. They would reply the exact same way. There's not really much we can do, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, uh, call us when you have a knife in your back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. We can't do anything until they do something. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, what, what, let me play this clip for you here. The the one where she asked him what he wants. Hello. It's me. I know. Who are you? <clears throat> I'm not going to be here much longer. Dr. Mandrakis and his wife are coming home. I know. Can you see me? Yes. Sorry, I turned the lights down. Turn them back up if you like. Oh. You really scared me. That's what you wanted. Is that what you wanted? No. What do you want? Yeah, so there you have it. He wants her blood all over him. Now, that is just so terrifying. Imagine being, I mean, and I guess this is probably even more terrifying for like a girl. Oh, sure. I I think because, you know, a guy, mostly, most babysitters aren't guys anyway. And and (laughs) girls sometimes will feel more vulnerable. And it's just so so frightening and then what we find out again spoiler alert is that finally after call after call after call the police are like okay well try to keep him on the line is it two minutes or yeah. one minute one minute. one minute one minute yeah try to keep him on the line we'll trace the call which by the way i'm not sure if they would ever be able to do uh in a minute Right? I'm not, not back sure. then. I can't Probably remember. Not back then, yeah. Not remember back the, then. Remember based the, on Black Christmas. Yeah, remember that tracing. <laughs> yeah, you gotta run a marathon in order like, to figure out where yeah. he's coming from. <laughs> but they said try to keep him on the line for uh over a minute and we'll we'll trace the call. And and she does. She has a conversation with him and he's just even more creepy than before. 
and then the phone, she slams the phone down, and it rings again immediately, which is another trope, right? Yep. Yeah. So she slams it down, it rings, and she's like, what are you doing? What, I tell you to stop calling here. And then here's the news, and here's the call. Here's, here's what, she, what they say. Leave me alone! Jill, this is Sergeant Sacker. Listen to me. We've traced the call. It's coming from inside the house. So there you go. The call is coming from inside the house. The phones, there's two separate lines. Uh, there's a phone upstairs and a phone downstairs, and he's calling. And then it's basically her trying to escape. Uh, and you see him slowly opening the door and coming down. The st- you just see his shadow. You don't ever really see him. And, and of course, another trope, the, the chain on the door. <laughs> she cannot get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's just, it happens in every horror movie. Okay, yeah. Just don't even chain your door, okay? Because you're never going to get it open in a, in a crisis. So, yeah. So if you have not seen this movie, at least the, the first 20 minutes, this movie is completely worth seeing just for that 20 minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for me, the that. one thing that doesn't age well is like when she opens the door and she's got that like that freeze frame on. Yes, yes. <laughs> that fades. I'm yeah. like, oh, that that didn't that didn't work out too well. But um. <laughs> just just Charles Durning's big head. <laughs> yeah, just him looking like yeah. mournfully at the camera. <laughs> yes, yes. <clears throat> so, he just looks bored. So <laughs> it's supposed to look scary. But I know you'd think he would be like. Really trying to get in, and he just looks calm as can be. Hey, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> so they get him right, and then he go, does he go to jail or does he go to? He's in uh, a mental ward. Yeah, mental yeah. ward, and and gets out. And I guess Charles Durning kind of doesn't think he should be getting out, and and kind of makes it a mission to kind of. Well, I think the kid's parents world. don't they hire him basically. Because yeah. he's no longer a detective now, he's a private eye basically. Mm-hmm. And so the the kids who were murdered, the parents basically, I mean, is, yeah, they yeah. Uh, they hire him to go find them. Yeah. So that's what you got for the next almost hour. Yeah, okay. I, I think there, there's kind of a cool irony that happens in that that hour because really you have now you have the killer, but the killer is the one that's actually being stalked. You know, so now you got this private eye who is determined to kill him, and it's a cat and mouse game. But now it's you know the stalker is actually the private eye, and we're we're constantly seeing the the killer on the run, um, yes. which you know that's really consistent with um, that kind of noble outlaw theme, you know, vigilante justice that we saw in the seventies. Mm-hmm. You know, after like the the optimism of the 1960s didn't really pan out and Watergate scandal, you know, uh, Americans were, were pretty distrustful of any kind of, you know, established authority. Um, so you start getting these vigilante heroes that are kind of like, you know, taking justice into their own hands and, uh, you know, dirt, dirty Harry or, you know, death wish taxi driver. You know, these films of the seventies where you have people pretty much bending the law or breaking the law in order to, you know, try to, you know, rid the streets of scumbags. Um, uh, you know, with with extreme prejudice, uh, and this is kind of what we see going on here. You know, he basically tells the I don't, know, I don't know if he's the captain or exactly what position the guy has. You know, Superfly, uh, but he says I'm going to kill him, and the guy just kind of closes the door and be like, "How are you going to do it?" You know, this is kind of like you know, there there is this accepted um, reality that you know the established means are not adequate. 
you yeah, know, that fails. in order to get rid of evil, you just got to take it in your hands and you got to put a, you know, a needle into it. I think, I think part of it though, is that Lieutenant Charlie Garber had, uh, had a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had a child in one scene. He actually picks up the child. You can kind of see that he's got some, he's got a little bit of an inner struggle to give Charles Durning the license to go ahead and do what he wants to do. But then yeah. I kind of, I, I think, only lasts like two seconds. though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, at the same, like yeah. I said, he, he is a parent. So I'm not yeah. a parent myself, so I'm not sure how far I would go for, you know, that kind of justice. But, you know, um, Garber being a new parent probably swayed his decision. So, you know, sure. I was OK with it. Yeah, I wasn't criticizing it. I'm just saying it's consistent with the 70s. Yes. Yeah, what we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you know that this this is a rated PG movie? Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. For back at back in the day, I think a classification rating uh, administration had originally voted unanimously for a PG rating because this was five years before the PG thirteen. So, um, well, it's not gory. Yeah. You know, but, but, it's 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 more of a suspense horror. Yeah, but I'm saying the chairperson of the committee had to call for further discussion and con- mm. and, and convince the committee. To rate it R. I mean, mm. everyone unanimously rated this a PG movie. Are you kidding me? Yeah, like, I mean, when when I was a kid and I saw it on TV, I I didn't make it through the whole thing. It it mm-hmm. scarred me for life. That that one scene that that you played the snippet of, where he mm-hmm. says, she says, "What do you want?" And he says, "I want your blood all over me." Okay, I was completely scarred for life. I'm like, what? Oh my <laughs> god! Like every time the phone rang, you know, what is happening? But um, it, yeah, I mean. I assumed, it, you know, in my mind that it was probably rated R and then just edited for television or something, you know. But yeah. wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the trace call lasts uh, approximately a minute and fifty-two seconds. So I just just read that. Thought you'd like to know that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we get we get through this entire middle. Okay, of, of the the cop chasing him. The I mean, the private eye chasing him. Which I, I do feel like there should have been some, I mean, I know that, you know, we kind of already suggested this, but there really should have been something else going on in that hour. Mm-hmm. You know? There should have been. There should I have mean, been. There should have been, there should have been some snippets of um, Carol Kane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, the, woman, the woman that he tries to befriend, you know, I mean, I, he, he follows her home from a bar. Yeah. Yeah, you know, she she's go she goes all the way up to her, you know, her hallway. She's putting the you know, she opens up her door and then he's just standing there. You know, and like she's not creeped out by this. Yeah, yeah and this then is she, a woman who's going to phone... bars by herself in the city. You'd think that she would have immediately pepper sprayed him. Yeah. You know. Well, th- this, she is, this, the door is, open. this is 79. <laughs> I think that Crime people. rates were ridiculous in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And know? then when when her phone rings, she doesn't close the door like excuse me i have to take this and close the door and lock it no she leaves it open walks in picks up yeah, the phone she's surprised when he walks in like, you... <laughs> yeah like, yeah oh, she okay. just thinks he's getting fresh you know <laughs> maybe, maybe they were going for that parallel that she was just a just kind of in a different yeah. way as nutty as he was and then she apparently something. doesn't lock her back door yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, because it, if we if we take a moment to examine her walk a, from the bar a, to her apartment. Is that apartment. a euphemism? I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Hey, family Go show. <laughs> Go ahead, Susan. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, if we take a moment to examine her long, 
long, dark, lonely, every attempt for someone to jump out and murder her walk from the bar to yep. her apartment to begin with. Yep. And she has no problem with this guy just being there. She tells him to leave, but she just still has no problem. Like, she doesn't say, like, oh, my God, how do you know where I live? Why did you follow me? What? You? I mean, she's... Yeah. Him asking her to get coffee is, like, the last straw for her. Like, that's what... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. when she's finally like, no, this is this yeah. has gone too far. How <laughs> dare you <laughs> ask me for yeah. coffee? If coffee's involved, she would have turned the corner or the other direction at that point, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. In her defense, I will say, she obviously looks like a very independent woman, like she can take care of herself. Um, but in her defense... She looks suicidal, the way that she's acting. I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I didn't find... She seems impre- lucky to have not been murdered by this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, my point is, though, is that in her defense, I don't find this guy threatening in the slightest. Physically, he's a wormy little skinny white guy. I mean, she's taller than him. She's taller and whiter than this guy. So why he decides to pick this woman to stalk is beyond me. Um, But uh, you guys were talking about earlier about the performance of our killer in the second act. I actually don't like him. I liked him better as a voice and a shape. I feel like that was his strength. Once once he's on screen, he's this wormy. and, And granted, I'm not saying that that's, not realistic. I'm, you know, look at anybody, you know, like a Ted Bundy or a, or a Jeffrey Dahmer. They all look mm-hmm. like little wormy white guys. So that's fine. But those guys that look like they have a sense of menace to them. This guy, to me, had no sense of menace. He seemed pathetic, 100 percent pathetic. So the fact that she wasn't threatened by him, even to the point where he walks into her apartment uninvited and she still doesn't feel threatened, I think speaks more to just his physicality. The fact that he doesn't look threatening, he doesn't look menacing, he's not like, you know, he's not speaking in voices, he's not, his eyes aren't darting back and forth. I mean, he doesn't look like you're, you know, whatever, stereotypical schizophrenic. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, obviously he's a psychopath. We know, you know, based on the definition of a psychopath, I think he falls more into that as opposed to sociopath or schizophrenic or whatever. But like I said, I just didn't find him menacing in even the slightest. And the guy kicking his ass in the bar same thing. That guy didn't find him menacing at all. I'm sure if that guy realized that this is a two-time child killer, he might have thought a little bit more about, you know, starting a fight with them in a bar. But ultimately, to look at the guy, I wouldn't even give him a second look if I saw him in the street. If I saw him, like, you know, uh, walking behind me, I wouldn't even give him a second look. He, he's, he's a blip, is all he is. And, and I think that's how she saw him. Like I said, the fact that she lives in a big city by herself, she obviously she's very witty. She's, you know, she's quick with a quick with an insult. So, I mean, she's, you know, she obviously knows for the most part how to take care of herself. But then it's funny because then as soon as he puts her hands on her, that's where she suddenly turns into the helpless victim. And I didn't understand that at all. Like, she, she came off as this strong, independent woman, but then as soon as our killer puts his hand around her neck, she turns to jelly. Yeah, and that but, yeah but, but, but think about when they play the tape of him, when that, in the beginning, when the doctor is playing the tape for the detective of him in the asylum, mm-hmm. and she touches him, and he starts screaming, don't touch me, don't touch me. Right. So to me, I kind of saw when she flipped out at the bar and was like, don't touch me. I kind of saw that as him identifying like, 
oh, you're like me. That's why he was like, I want to be your friend. I want to, I want to okay. take you for a coffee. I want, you know, or whatever. So he, so they kind of tried to make it, you know, as though there was some kind of similarity between no, the absolutely. two of them, which was kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I totally saw that. And, you know, now that you pointed out and I a hundred percent agree. My, my whole point though, is just her drastic character change because it just feels like if he would have put his hand around her neck, she would have just swatted her hand, his hand away and said, don't touch me. What's wrong with you? But instead the instant he put his hand on her, she turns into jelly. And that bothered me. That was, you know, they kind of went off character type. Like, within five minutes of introducing I think one of the main weaknesses of this hour that we spend with all these different characters is that they're they're not well drawn. Yes. You know, we we don't really learn anything about this killer. You know, we we don't know anything, you know, aside from his crimes, for the most part. Uh, The detective. We don't know anything about this guy. We know that he wants to kill him. That's it. You know, that's really all that we know. He's a retired cop. We... You know, we we spend so much time with these people, and you know, you're already pointing out that one of the other characters that we spend time with is inconsistent. Um, that I, I just don't think you know, there's not much going on with the writing here. Oh no, totally. Yeah, and, it, it and, feels and like I mean, filler. and don't <laughs> yeah. you guys think it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a letdown that they actually like expose him so much that he is just kind of this like sad sack guy. I mean, as opposed to having him doing other things and, you know, other murders showing up and them just kind of tracking him versus him being so exposed and open and vulnerable through that whole center section to me, just kind of let the wind out of the sails after that first 20 minutes. Absolutely Mm -hmm. agree. I mean, when he when he was just a voice, he was menacing to me. But in that bar scene, I mean, my wife and I laughed that entire bar scene. It was the most pathetic attempt at picking up a woman I've seen in ages. So it's it, it, also it definitely... not a very realistic fight. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> it looked very fake. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, yeah, I feel like he, he should have bit. killed somebody in that hour or something just to yeah. keep those stakes raised. Yeah. Or they should have, I mean... Because it felt like they were trying to make him sympathetic life. to us. They should have showed his home life in, like... Yeah, in flashbacks. Know, I don't know, something. No. no, I'm saying, like, where he lived, like, and, and have him be doing something that makes it scary. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah, he just seems like a guy that, you know, he, he does, he does look a little bit. I don't, I don't know about you. Do, do you think he looks a little bit like Mr. Bean? <laughs> I can see that. Or Rowan yeah. Atkinson. Yeah. Rowan Atkinson. I mean, I just yeah. kind of feel like that's, but, uh, I, maybe it's because when I first saw this movie, I was little that I do think he looks creepy. Um, but, you know, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. Well, yeah. In a he, fist fight, he doesn't look like he'd do much. But if he had a right. knife, that's all it would take. No, creepy. You know? I agree yeah. with that word. Creepy. I'll totally agree with. Mm. Menacing is what I was going with. Yeah. I, I don't find him mm. menacing at all. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, let's get into the end. Okay. So basically, what happens is the he basically uh, is it 15 years later. Oh uh, no! It's seven. Only seven. 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 Only seven. Yeah. But so she moves fast. She moves. She fast does. With her she life does. Plan. She goes from a so teenager. Super quick. To now, she is married and she has her own kid. Two. Is it just one. Kid? Two. Two, two, two kids. kids. Two kids. Yeah, man. Just she is. She is pumping them out. Yeah. Pretty much the same age as the ones that she was babysitting. I think. Yeah. Yes. And first of all, this is this is one issue. 
doesn't seem like she has any problems leaving her kids with a babysitter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think if that had happened to anybody, they might be like, you know what, uh, we're staying in the night. But or, I will like, say yeah. that, my in life. my opinion, Carol Kane earned her paycheck during yeah. the phone call scene oh, yeah. at the restaurant. Yeah. Man, yeah. that was... Mm. That to me, I think was I mean, yeah, not, not not the most suspenseful scene. Man, that was one of the best scenes in the film. Like her acting in that was spot yeah. on. Oh yeah, and that kind of fulfilling moment when she's completely broken over it, and she has to say what he said to her and scarred her for life. She has yeah. to say, "Did you? When did you check the children?" I mean, it's like, oh yep. god, uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that that's that's what happens. She goes out to dinner with her husband, leaves her kids with a babysitter, and yeah. she gets to call at the restaurant, and there it is. Have you checked the children? Oh, <laughs> crap. So basically she gets in the car. You, for, she collapses, first of all, and uh, gets her husband, gets in the car, s- screams home, and then nothing nothing's happened. Kids are fine. They're asleep. Babysitters, oh, everything's great. Okay. <laughs> Dude's in the closet. Okay. And then she goes to take a bath or goes to the bathroom, so I forget. And basically he gets in bed like he's her husband. And she gets in the bed with him. And ensues. Yeah. She had gone into her end. kid's room. Yeah. Okay. And she was checking their closets. Yeah, yes. and then they had yeah. candy, inexplicable candy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So she's already, you know, the wheels are turning, like, how did you get this candy? Where did you get this candy? Yeah, did what? you have this when you went to bed? Or, yeah. you know, so she doesn't know if it's the babysitter that gave it to her. Or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I thought that yeah. was all, it, it is, it does end pretty strong. Yeah, whole... like I said, it's it's the sandwich. Yeah, it's, it's... the first Although, man, that detective apparently lived, like, a block away. Because no, no, he the, the said sense he of told time... her. No, he told her he was going to be sitting outside all night. He told her he said I'm going to be outside all night. No, he said no, that to the he first was in a woman. hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's like, right. Uh, that's maybe it's a hotel room, unless it was his apartment. I couldn't tell exactly. Yeah. It was so that's barren. Right. Um, they end up. They end up. Yeah, because he kept trying station. to call her house. Yeah. Because they had gotten the report that. This person oh, had right. called yeah. and, you know, said that somebody was menacing. She didn't know at that point that the killer had escaped the mental hospital. So, obviously, you know, they, they kind of, the cops just kind of brushed it off. They were going to investigate it in the morning, and then that's when our hero, Charles Durning, decides to kind of take action that night. That's when he shows up at her house. That's but it seems that. like in movie time, it's like four minutes from him yes. being yeah. it was very... <laughs> on the phone to showing up. <laughs> yes. Well, that's the way movies are. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So it ends up he gets shot and killed. Yeah. Right? I am. Yeah. I I don't think I was as happy with the ending as you guys were. I I, I was no. a little disappointed. As cool as the, the first very ending, no. Is, but the the actual like the shooting. Yeah. Yeah. The suspense yeah, building that, up that, to things. That, I thought was pretty yeah, awesome. that, oh, the outcome that was you didn't like. Yeah. Outcome exactly. you didn't like, but the actual the way they ended it, you know, yeah. was was pretty cool. How he came, it came full circle. Full focal, <laughs> came full circle, Words. came back to her, you know, and uh, that that has got to be like every mother's worst nightmare. Uh, it really, really is. And father, uh, yeah, and okay. father. But I'm saying, if that is your experience, if that's what you went through mm-hmm. as as a teenager, and you've 
you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, they didn't show any anything, but she probably went through therapy. She probably uh, had issues. She probably had nightmares. That that would have been good to see her in the middle there, having some nightmares, having some 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 issues um, with her kids and safety. Uh, that way it would have been a little bit more of a, a punch yeah. at the end. But, um, yeah, re- really, really solid. I- I'd say... Um, th- this is still worth watching. I yes. really think it's still worth watching. Uh, if you really are bored by the middle, just you know, scrub through it, fast forward through it. You could honestly through. skip the middle and not really miss anything. It's true. You could almost skip it completely. They're, yeah, they're essentially yeah. almost like two different films. I mean, it's right. mm-hmm. yeah. you wouldn't be it's, missing much. No, you wouldn't, and it would be it, it would be a perfect little, you know. I guess what is that? Probably a half hour, half uh, hour, like forty be, minutes. Yeah, forty minutes. It could be like a a really twisted episode of the Twilight Zone, you know, or whatever. I yes. don't know. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about the remake? Yeah, didn't do much for me. No, I did not think it was me very either. good. It's been years since I've seen it, but I was not impressed. Yeah, I saw yeah. it the one time when it was new, and I won't watch it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think it was all that bad it was it was okay but it when compared to the other kind of teenage remakes that were going on at the time it was a little bit better than those but i don't think it it was very good you know but but the thing is when you update something like that that is obviously something that you know, this really could only take place in 1979 oh yeah you know because not long after that you know, well, I guess after that, I mean, most people don't have two phone lines in the house, okay? No, today they'd be getting texts, you know, yes. if you check the children. Or... Yes, they'd be getting texts or whatever, uh, which they didn't really get that right in the in the remake either. Um, so it was okay, but it, it, it gets universally, like, destroyed as one of the worst horror movies uh, ever, and it, it's... The remake is not that bad. It's it's watchable. I wouldn't say it's the worst. The remake of The Fog was much worse. Yeah, there's oh, worse. But. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so what do you guys think? Let's rate this thing. Um, I'm I'm going to go first, and I'm, I'm going to give this... Uh, this is a very, very hard rating. It is. Yeah. But just take in mind that we've already said the beginning and the end, excellent, the middle... Not so much. So I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. And that that kills me because I think it deserves more eyes on it than a 7 out of 10 film uh, should get. But, um, you know, I, I know that most people, once that 20 minutes is up and, and it just kind of goes into that hour-long cat and mouse detective thing you're gonna you're gonna lose interest uh, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but yeah so seven out of ten for me what about you horror gal i oh my god you hit it completely on hit the nail on the head that i felt the same way i felt like you know i would want to give it like an eight and a half or a nine for that first 20 minutes i mean west craven was inspired by that first 20 minutes and that's mm-hmm. where the opening to scream came from so you know it, and and just on a personal level, how it traumatized me as a child when I saw it on TV. So I, I like want 
in my heart to give that first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes a better rating, but because of the middle and kind of just, you know, what we've already gone over and, you know, kind of exposing him and really seeing that other side and that sort of thing. I'm the same way, seven out of 10. But again, like, like we've said, watch the first 20 minutes, last 20 minutes and, you know, you'll be happy. But, but in, in that center section though, the table jumping, my mind immediately flashed forward to Halloween H2O with with Michael Myers doing the table jumping. I'm like, Oh, I wonder if they got that from this. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there are moments if you're, uh, if you're a big horror fan, but even if you're not first 20 minutes, last 20 minutes are definitely higher rated in my mind than, than the rest of the movie. But on the whole, I gave it seven out of 10 as well. Mr. Venom. Um, yeah, this is another one where, uh, this is going to break my heart giving this rating, but I, I feel like even that middle section, even as a gritty crime drama, it still wasn't even average to me. It wasn't. And when I say movies like, say, Serpico or French Connection, obviously those are exceptional crime dramas. Oh, no, 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 no. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. This is is made for TV. Exactly. uh, Level. The middle section. This is like an extended episode of Hill Street Blues or something like that. <laughs> you know, you got Dennis, you got Dennis Franz's bare ass chasing some serious killer. But it's yeah. NYPD blues. Ah, whatever. <laughs> They're all the same. <laughs> but anyway, um, if you're gonna judge, if you're gonna judge the first and third act as a horror film, and then the middle, uh, the second act as a crime drama. I, I might be able to go as high as seven, but as for a whole package, it just didn't work for me. The first 20 minutes are exceptional. The next 40 minutes are okay at best, but they ruin the mystique of the serial killer for me. Um, like I said, I enjoyed him way more as a voice and a shape. Once he actually became a living, breathing person on screen, I just I lost all sense of menace from him and which kind of messed up the third act for me a little bit too because again they go back to the horror thing but now that we know who the killer is like i said i just lost any any kind of respect for any potential menace that that killer would be able to provide so unfortunately i i'm going to go i'm going to come in a little bit lower and give it a 6.5 out of 10 understandable mm-hmm. understandable uh, completely completely respect that all right, uh, Revenant Vin. I mean, all, I can, all I can do is really echo what everybody else has said. I mean, the you know you've got uh, the bookends of horror uh, are pretty well done. Uh, the middle is just it's filler. Uh, it's mediocre crime drama. Um, doesn't really add much to the plot at all. Uh, so I am also where Mr. Venom is. I'm at a six point five, which for me it says it's it's worth watching. Um, people should see it, but. It, you don't really need to rewatch it. Yeah, it's not necessarily anything that a horror fan needs to seek out or pay money to rent on VOD. I would say if it's on HBO or Netflix or something like that, and it is currently actually on YouTube, and it's actually a Blu-ray copy, so it's actually a gorgeous transfer for a YouTube video. Um, yep. But yeah, I mean, you know, if you got nothing better to do and you want to see, you know, because obviously the first 20 minutes of the film have all the quote unquote famous scenes, all the scenes that we're familiar with when people mm-hmm. bring up when a stranger calls. Um, so I would say it's still worth seeing, especially, I mean, maybe you like crime dramas more than the rest of us do. Obviously, we're we're hardcore horror fans here. So 
uh, potentially you might like that second act a little bit more than we did. So I would say if it's on TV or you can catch it on YouTube and you're bored, go ahead and do it. But there's there's no real need to seek it out or pay money for it. Yeah, I, I would say if you really if you haven't seen this, go ahead and put it on at like midnight. Yeah. <laughs> Turn all your lights off. Watch it by you yourself. There, watch it by yourself. Turn the volume up. And then at the end of 20 minutes, shut it off. <laughs> I mean, if, if you really want to, you can scrub forward or go, you know, chapter skip to the last couple scenes. But, you know, uh, that's any horror fan needs to see the first 20 minutes of this movie. Yes. Okay. That's just yep. all. That's all there is to it. So. Yep. Agreed. Okay, well, that's our review for When a Stranger Calls, 1979. When we come back, we will be talking spoiler-free about 2017's The Babysitter. All right, tomorrow night, you, me, party. What up, Steve? B, call us if there's any trouble, okay? Call, don't cause any trouble. I bet B has boys over at your place all the time. That's what babysitters do. Seriously, have you ever been awake after she's fallen asleep? I love her. I mean, nobody's done human sacrifice. People have always done human sacrifice. Yeah, but like, not in America with hot people. Hey. shirtless that's your first question Okay, we are back. All right, guys. Netflix has been doing some good stuff, right? Oh, yeah. I oh, mean, definitely. They're really uh, pushing the envelope. They're giving uh, directors, especially horror directors, like uh, a, a chance to, to show their movies on, uh, you know, probably something that will get more eyes on them if, than if they release them to the theater. Okay, I mean almost 100 mm-hmm. percent more. Uh, okay, um, even though Steven Spielberg just said that Netflix movies aren't real movies, and uh, did you hear him say that? I oh. did, and I'm ignoring it because it's such a ridiculous <laughs> statement. He's just—I ju- think 
I think he feels that releasing your new film on Netflix is almost like a step down from what he does. But I don't think he's realizing that this is just where the media is going. This is where technology is going. At, eventually, movie theaters are going to be gone. I mean, it might take 20, 30, 50 years. Who knows? But eventually, we're going to be getting all our entertainment at home or on a mobile device. And I think Spielberg is just having trouble coming to terms with it. So he just yeah. finds it easier to try to disparage the new media instead of embracing it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I agree. So... They've been having. They've been releasing a lot of good content. You know, we've talked about Gerald's Game. We've talked about 1922. Uh, we've talked about the Ritual, uh, which they didn't necessarily produce, but they gave it a platform, right? Uh, so this is kind of one of those movies. This came out uh, on the 13th of October of last year. It is rated TVMA. It's an hour and 25 minutes long, and it is a comedy horror it's called The Babysitter. 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb. And basically what you've got is uh, a kid who is maybe a little bit too old to be babysat. Uh, he's kind of a kid that gets picked on. And the hot chick in the neighborhood is his babysitter. And she uh, is coming over to babysit him that night. And it goes crazy. Okay? That's all I'm going to say. It goes crazy we're not going to spoil you know what exactly the twist is here but we've got a judah lewis is the main character here is cole samara weaving which a lot of guys Woo! are having a crush on yes yes as the babysitter b uh, robbie amell as max hannah may lee as sonia here she is again bella thorne as allison uh and leslie bibb was mom ken marino's dad so <laughs> All right, so we've got, uh, uh, let, let's just kind of go around and say what we thought about this movie, what are our, 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 our likes and dislikes, and kind of keep it kind of concise and no spoilers. So I'm going to give it to Revenant Vin first. Um, so I, I watched this one last year, and, you know, for me, it was overall enjoyable, um, but there were definitely elements that I found uh, annoying at times. Um, yeah, this, this is a film that it plays a lot, kind of like the, the fantasy of a young teen boy. And I kind of wish that they left a little more ambiguous as to how real the events, uh, that were taking place actually are. Um, especially with where things go at the end. Uh, yeah, it, it would make some of the really dumb character decisions a little bit easier to accept, I think. Um, but certain things they do really well. It's, the movie looks great. Terrific cinematography. Uh, it's it's filmed well. Um, there are some genuinely hilarious moments. I thought the the character of Max was kind of the the jock. Yeah, yes. you know, I thought he was pretty hilarious. Um, not all the jokes stick for me, but uh, I thought that his stuff was really funny. And of course, it throws in tons of movie references. And of course, I appreciate Star Trek references whenever those are there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's this is kind of a, a movie where it's it's highly stylized. Um, sometimes that works to its strength. Especially I like the scenes where the the main character is talking with his friend and everything else is going on slow motion behind them. Yeah. yeah it really kind of lets us, you know, zero in on their own kind of their own little world. They're oblivious to whatever chaos is going on around them. And I really like that scene. But then there's other things that they do stylistically that 
just seem kind of gratuitous and end up kind of distracting me at times. Like unnecessary mm-hmm. POV, you know, when the parents are leaving. I, I don't know. It didn't seem to add anything to the narrative. Um, so it, it's kind of like, it, it seems like one of those films where they're just kind of throwing everything out there. Um, so it kind of comes off as a little bit um, desperate to be liked sometimes, I'd say. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there and let you guys uh, continue with it. Susan, yeah. what do you think? Um, I, you know, I, it, this movie was definitely very interesting. I will say that, um, uh, again, I agree, uh, good cinematography. I liked some of the transitions, uh, some of the throwback references and, and that sort of thing. Um, I, you know, I like the twist on it. That, that was good. Um, but yeah, there, there were some, some of the, comedic elements that I enjoyed and some of them kind of fell flat for me but overall I you know again um, this is more of to me a little bit of a like fun movie if that if that translates uh, although I will say that um, there the first kill was definitely um, that was a good one so uh, I <laughs> The first kill was definitely a good one. So overall, I mean, I I enjoyed it. I think, especially for a Netflix movie, if you know Steven Spielberg wants to um, <laughs> call it that. Uh, I you know I I I enjoyed it. I thought it I thought it was good. I don't want to like yeah. give anything away. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the things that I would like to expand on, I feel like would ruin it for someone potentially wanting to see it because they may really enjoy those aspects of it or not, but I don't want to take a chance yeah. on ruining it for them. <laughs> Cause I no, do think absolutely. that it's, I, I do think that, you know, spoiler alert for, for my uh, rating, but you know, I, I do think that it is definitely worth seeing. So. Yeah. Well, I, I think that uh, this is just a, for lack of a better term, balls to the wall just full-out fun, like, throwback horror movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not scary in the least. Nope. Okay? It, it, is a, it is a comedy horror. But it kind of it makes me think of, um, like, a cross between, uh, like, Jennifer's body, ver- you know, then you got uh, maybe a little bit of, like, The Gate, in there, not because there's creatures, but you know, like the the fact that it like it's kids and like a fantasy type thing. Uh, but you know, I, I really enjoyed it. It's not scary, but I liked anything that has this much like blood and gore um, and twists and turns. You have to kind of put the the breaks on your imagination and, or your, your logic, you know, because there are some things that are happening in this movie. They live in a normal neighborhood and there's explosions happening. Yeah. And there's, well, and there's not no, even there's normal no neighborhood. Neighbors. They live in a affluent white neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. And there's no neighbors out like, uh, right. gee, what was that explosion Nothing happening? Yeah. Now I'm not sure if that's a commentary on neighbors just minding their own business and not wanting to have anything to do with what's going on in the outside world. Sort of like Halloween when Jamie Lee Curtis is just running through the streets and she's screaming, you know, help me, help me. 
And people were just like shutting their lights yeah. off. But the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't even try to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the major but, difference, though, between Halloween and this one is that Jamie Lee is just screaming in the original, um, in Halloween, excuse me. In this movie, police officers actually show up with sirens blaring and flashing lights. And no gunshots. I, yeah, I've learned from living in Southern California, nothing attracts a crowd more than flashing police lights. Oh, absolutely. Once, once, yeah, once the cops are there, most people assume the danger is over. So that's when they come out of their come out of the woodwork and and start crowd, crowding around, you know, injured people and dead bodies and whatever else. So that's what bothered me. Not necessarily the noise or the screaming, because, yes, I can see how people would ignore that. But flashing lights, I mean, they obviously were not in California, because yep. that entire neighborhood would have come out once yep. the lights were flat. And our, I can vouch for that. Our power went out the other day, and literally every neighbor was on my entire street. Everybody, we were all outside. Oh, is everyone's out or just my, I mean, like here, everything, it's, it's more of a, like a, you know, group mentality about stuff like that. So that is a little weird, especially uh, like you were saying, it, you know, if you live out here in LA or in a big city, it, you suspended disbelief on some of, some of it. But I kind of felt like, I don't know, what do you guys think that, you know, kind of if you like things like Ash versus Evil Dead, you know, it, it kind of, there were certain elements to it that kind of gave me that Evil Dead kind of vibe, you know, with a lot of gore and, and that sort of thing. But yet, not and maybe some surprises, but not really. Yeah, it was gore and humor. Yeah, yeah. mixed yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. A, it's a, like you said, it's a fun movie, just like it's Evil energetic. Dead. Yeah. yeah, it has an yeah. energy like Evil Dead. Yeah. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> now, this this guy that directed it, uh, McG. McG. Okay, mm. he's a. <laughs> Listen to you. You're you're already like. Uh, I mean, he is known for a lot of what music videos and terrible not, movies and terrible <laughs> movies. Um, he's done some uh, you know a lot of TV work, but what, let, let me see. This means war was one of his movies that was uh, Reese Witherspoon, right? And um, who else was that? Tom Hardy was in that. And Chris I think Pine. he did a Terminator Salvation, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes, yeah. He did both Charlie's Angels yeah. movies. Ugh. <laughs> well, but you know, he's he's seems like he's more of an action yes. kind of guy. So that's why you you know you get a lot of action in this movie. There's not a lot of downtime, and I think that's why so many people like this movie is because it's not boring. In the slightest. Oh yeah, it's a breakneck breakneck pace. Uh, yeah, the, uh, you just can't have a problem with this pacing. This is a film yeah. that is constantly wanting you to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and obviously every film is like that, but you can feel it in this film. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it, it feels like like something that's constantly saying, "Look at me, look at me." You know, it's uh, with, with everything that is kind of throwing at the screen. It's just like, "Oh look, we're gonna have two girls kiss now." Like, "Oh, make sure you look." You know, in case you were going to look away for a second, we're going to throw something else at you. Um, yes. So it, that's what I meant before. It kind of comes off as almost a little bit desperate <laughs> to be liked yeah. at times. Yeah, and just you know, put Bella Thorne in a in a in a hot cheerleader outfit. Right. For for the entire movie, like, it doesn't matter. I never that... took my eyes off the screen, so <laughs> it worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, I think that the chemistry between the group. You know the the babysitter and her friends, well, it was pretty funny. 
I think it was it was pretty funny, and they had kind of like that um, the '80s slasher vibe, yeah. where the just goofiness and and, and good jokes. I, I, I liked it a lot, um, but you just have to. It's one of those movies where you just have to turn your brain off. It's a popcorn there, movie. Yes, yeah, popcorn absolutely. movie. There are too many plot holes. There are too many, uh, like I said, things happening in a characters in a wealthy, who could get away that for some reason don't. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, just, you know... Multiple times. You've got to think, okay, well, maybe everybody in the neighborhood is out. They're at the country club, okay? Uh, They just never bothered to tell us that. Uh, Well, it's this very Kevin McAllister story, except, like, you know, this isn't Christmas time where everybody's off on their Christmas vacations. This just seems like your typical day, (laughs) you know, in, in, you know, rich white neighborhood. Yeah, um, sure. You know, I would say like you know, especially the interior of his house is humongous. Oh, it it yeah, looked way too big to actually fit inside the outside of the house. We saw the outside of the house, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that those rooms were product, I think that's a product of McG just yeah. wanting to make a balls to the wall, oh, yeah. crazy movie, the, and the not text really... appearing on screen when it really didn't yeah. need to. Like I know yeah, it's a you're... pocket knife. You don't need to actually tell me it is. Like I... yeah, not... <laughs> he... I got it. <laughs> he's not interested in the details. You know, he's not interested in those those things. He's interested in completely. Inter... He's like okay, I'll say this. He's like the um... oh, who's the transform? He's the Michael Bay. He's like Michael Bay light. <laughs> okay, I think that's I think that's who uh, he wants. Th- yeah. I think that's who he wants to be when he grows up is Michael Bay, Maybe. because that's that's kind of what you know. I think he uh, you know he's never got a chance to do a real big movie, so he does Charlie's Angels and well, his his aesthetics are very MTV. Mm-hmm. They're very also internet. You know, like yeah. the the text that comes up it reminds you of memes. You know, it's it, that's the kind of language that we're dealing with, you know, so but sometimes it does feel like somebody who's like in their 40s trying to, you know, use the language of somebody in their teens. Uh, so I, I don't know if it always worked for me. But like I said, you know, when the text comes up on the screen, I felt like I was watching a meme rather than a movie because um, it, 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 go ahead. Uh, it kind of felt like a almost like a video game. Like when you're introduced to a new character in a video game and then like a little pop-up window shows up, they actually did it in Scott Pilgrim too. If, if any of you guys saw Scott Pilgrim versus the world, it was mm-hmm. the kind of the same thing where there was on screen text and yeah. like at the end, you know, they or, would give like their fighter stats and things like that. Or like a beastie boys music video, you know, it's like, yes. you know, like sabotage. <laughs> like it was, it was this kind of thing that was popping up, but I don't know. Um, but again, that stuff in like, in a music video is usually more informative yeah. <laughs> than what we were actually seeing. Like it literally comes up and says pocket knife. Like yep. I, I can see it's a pocket knife. I don't know why you have to tell me. This didn't, you know, it, it just, it's just like, it's like we need to throw more things at this screen, you know, in case people yeah. are starting to nod off. But um, I actually, I really enjoyed when they did it with the intergalactic dream team, when they actually yeah, had that was fun. Right. I love that. That yeah, served that the story great. that served, you know, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, especially and people I, who didn't know Star Trek, you know, which yeah. is a shame. But now they know what Picard looks like, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I also think that this will how um, most guys. Let's face it, we kind of had crushes on our babysitters, right? Oh yeah. When, when you were when you were a, a kid, or, a, or a, I guess you would say a tween, <laughs> you're at that age where you don't want to be babysat. 
because you're a man now, right? You're all of 13, and so you're a man, and you, you got this 16-year-old babysitting you that's hot or whatever. So I think that guys can really kind of uh, really um, identify with, with what's going on in this movie, and, and it's just kind of over the top. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're not going to spoil anything else. I don't want to talk anymore about it because I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but I think it's uh, definitely worth watching. I'm going to go ahead and give it a rating, guys. Uh, and you might, you might disagree. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what you guys, I think this movie is an eight out of 10, um, <laughs> simply because it's fun. It's lacking in depth. Okay. Turn your brain off, but it's just fun. It's a movie that you can have on in the background, uh, playing like over, it's got a lot of rewatchability. Oh yeah. Um, but don't don't think like okay I'm really gonna watch this and figure this out because all you need to do to figure it out is just watch it with your eyes. You, there's no brain activity uh, required. Okay. Yep. So uh, horror gal, what's your rating? Uh, once again, I don't know if you heard me because my mic was not muted. But when you said your score, I was like, <sighs> um, yeah, it hurts. And, I and heard a, that. a lot of a lot of times it seems like like Walshy and I have had the same. I think you and I have had the same a few times and stuff. Sometimes we've we've all had the same, but. Um, I give it an eight out of ten as well. I mean, it's you know, it's not without its flaws and all that, but it's got a lot of gore. It's kind of campy, you know. I'm I'm in. I'm on board. So I I um I would recommend it. I would say watch it for sure. Check it yeah, out. Especially since it's on Netflix. If you got and, a Netflix subscription, there's no reason why you should. Yeah, watch. yeah. And like you said, it does have that you know rewatch value that it is fun, you know. And sometimes you know even if it's not you know scary and that sort of thing it's still just you know a fun horror movie and if you're a horror fan and you like all kinds of horror this is one of those like you said that you can have on in the background or you know while you're doing mm-hmm. something or a party or whatever and it's it's fun there's going to be moments that people will laugh or moments that people will go oh my god look at that kill that sort of thing so you know yeah. um i i recommend it i so yeah eight out of ten revenant vin uh coming just a little bit lower uh seven out of ten <laughs> uh uh, you I know, thought you were gonna say. I thought you were saying I'm coming in just a little bit lower, five out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's highly watchable. It's a disposable popcorn flick. You know, it's the, the energy of the film is infectious, and sometimes the jokes are even funny, which is nice. Uh, but the, for me, there's there, there's not enough there to make me personally want to return to it. Um, so a seven for me, it's like a high priority rental. You know, I, it, it's on Netflix. Check it out, but. It's worth checking out once for me. Yeah, but see, you're the kind of guy that's most of the time looking for the depth. Yeah, you if, know? If, if I'm not getting engaged time, enough yeah. in the story, then it, yeah. it's hard to keep me as engaged. It's yeah. not a very analytical movie. Right. No. I would rather have a well-written movie that was poorly filmed than a, you know, a very well-filmed movie that was poorly written. Mm-hmm. So that's just my personal preference. Mr. Venom. Um, uh, real quick, uh, I didn't actually get a chance to give my initial uh, reactions, but just real quick, I love this movie, and I think I like it more than anybody on this show. Yes, it has its problems, but I've never been able to overlook the shortcomings of a bad screenplay. Not that this was a bad screenplay, but it, it's not the strongest screenplay, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never 
in my life enjoyed a movie so much that I'm willing to overlook all of its shortcomings to the point where, and you, you guys probably aren't going to believe me when I tell you this, I watched this movie three times today. Yes. Man. Today. I love this movie. This is a movie that I call one of my biggest guilty pleasures of 2017. The movie didn't remotely even sniff my top 10. It was nowhere near my top 10, but I genuinely love this film and can literally watch it anytime. Um, I had some issues with the first act. I thought that the filmmakers were a little heavy handed with how they were setting up stuff for later in the film. Uh, you know, our, our, our protagonist getting bullied in school, um, mm -hmm. the, the knife in the dishwasher, the, uh, there were little things that they were just a little, like I said, heavy handed with setting up. It was like, see this, see this, the driving lesson in the first act also. I mean, stuff like yeah, that, yeah. you know, they're really, they were just, they were, they were obviously setting up, you know, at, um, things that happen later in the movie, which obviously every movie does, but I just felt like this one was a little like, hey, look at this. Are you sure you see this? Kind of like Vince said, the movie demands to be watched. And even early on when they're showing you like the stuff that they're setting up for later, it's very, you know, laser focused. Like, hey, look at this. Look at this. Look, look at what I'm putting in the dishwasher. Make sure you remember this, you know? So that bothered me a little bit, but that was literally... The yeah. only they thing just, that they really, just handed to you, yeah, they really exactly. just handed to you. Right. But but you know, in in the end, absolutely love this movie, and I'm grading this film on the Donna Nelly uh, rating system. Uh. <laughs> Any anybody who anyone who listens to the horror mafia knows that uh, yeah, the Don himself has a very uh, unique take on horror movies, and yep. in this particular film, I'm going to use his scale. I'm sorry, and you could send all the hate mail you want to Facebook. This is a nine out of ten to me, and I will not apologize for that. No, I, I <laughs> the hate I mail coming, is going to roll in. <laughs> I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought if I went any higher than eight out of ten, I'd get hate mail. You're definitely getting hate mail. Oh yeah, but yeah, there, there's no apologizing. I it's a fun it. movie. If you can, if you can watch it three times in a day, come on. You know, you know that it that it's a, a fun, good time, yeah. and uh, you can't you should have to apologize for that. You like what you like, you know, yeah, and right. and everyone knows that there's the different scales, and you kind of, yeah, like th th you might give something like you know Halloween two, and nine out of ten as well, but they're different movies. Yeah, very much. So you got to rate them based on you know where they they fall in like movies, yeah. movies that are like them. So that I, I get it, man. I get yeah, yeah. it. I mean, if and I had just, to, if I had to make a top three of the three most quote unquote fun movies I saw in 2017, it's easily going to be Mayhem, Belko Experiment, and this film. Uh, with this one probably being number one. I mean, I, I had more fun watching this than almost any horror movie last year. So yeah, I will I will sing this movie's praises uh, as long as possible. <laughs> very nice, very very nice. All right, so. That's going to do it for our babysitter episode. Uh, Mr. Venom, why don't you tell people where they can find you online? All right. Um, as far as other shows I'm on, um, obviously you can hear Mark Nato and myself on the Rad Radio All 80s podcast. Um, you can also hear me with Mr. Mike Merriman, as I mentioned earlier, on Evil Episodes Presents Just the Movies. It's an, e it's an Evil Episodes sidecast where we only discuss movies, whereas the Evil Episodes gang 
tends to stick to horror television. Um, I also have a new podcast with Jerry Herring from Kill the Cast, Donna Nelly from the Horror Mafia podcast, and Derek B. from uh, Cinema Attack. And that is a podcast about Japanese monsters, or as we like to call them, kaiju. And that podcast is Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. Yes, it's a long title, but it's fun as hell. Uh, we just released our first episode. Unfortunately, it's only available on YouTube right now. So if you are a subscriber to the Kill the Cast um, network on YouTube, you should have already gotten the link. Um, but otherwise, you can just do a quick search for Underwater Kaiju and the podcast should pop up. Should be available very soon on iTunes um, uh, because of some weirdness that happened with the Horophilia Network last week. Uh, some releases are getting delayed. So it is available on YouTube uh, iTunes and, and Stitcher and everywhere else coming soon. Um, and then this month, I also joined the Theme Warriors podcast. Uh, that's a podcast with, um, again, Mr. Mike Merriman from the Evil Episodes uh, podcast, where we discuss, we basically pick a theme, and then all four of us, uh, the four hosts, we pick a movie based around that theme. And I can give you a quick uh, preview. The next episode that we're doing is actually going to be Non-Werewolf Transformations. So and that oh, we've got four pretty good. Well, we, some of them are better than others, obviously, but uh, we've got a couple of B movies in there. But then we've got some really good classics in there, too. So look out for that episode coming out sometime in April. And um, if you want to hit me up on social media, Twitter at Jerry Venom, Instagram at Venom Horror, Facebook. I am Mr. Venom. And if you want to drop me an email, it's radiovenom at Gmail dot com. Very nice, very nice. What about you, Revenant Van? We lost him. Is he not here anymore? Unmute, unmute. There we go. Ah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you can find me on the uh, Horrorcast Facebook page, or my blog is therevenantreview.com, um, and all my other information is on there. Very nice, very <laughs> nice. All right, well, Horror Gal Susan had to head out. Uh, she probably got a gig or something. Uh, so I'm going to tell you that she can be found all over the Internet, uh, just under Horror Gal Susan, all one word. She's got a great YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Check her out there. You can follow her on uh, Twitter, at um, Horror Gal Susan. I think she's got an Instagram. I think she's got Horror Amino. I think she's got Facebook. She's got all of it. Just look up Horror Gal Susan. Uh, as far as me, I check uh, all the social media stuff for HorrorCast. You can email us if you're old like us. And that, that is asktheHorrorCast at gmail.com. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at the HCast. And uh, check us out on Instagram. I know I'm not that, you know... Uh, up on it yet, but I'm trying to uh, post more and more frequently and just uh, search for the horror cast on Instagram uh, and we'll be on there as well. So that's going to be it for this episode and uh, be on the lookout for episode 44 in a couple weeks. Uh, this is the horror cast where we're all killer, no filler, stay scared. <laughs>